we should be having a public dialogue and it should be something that rises to the level of legislation. We should not allow the National Institutes of Health or the Department of Defense to allocate funding to amplify these agents so that allegedly we can study them in the case that they fall into the hands of bad people. Because the evidence has shown us that the bad people who actually have unleashed these pathogens since 1991, and by the way, if you go to Miscellaneous Memorandum 7 and other documents, we can go back to the 1950s. The bad people who unleash these things on the population are us. It is the U.S. who's doing it. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. It's September 25th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. Just a little clip, a little taste of the interview that I'll be putting out tomorrow with Dr. David Martin was pretty, a pretty solid, pretty outstanding interview. Some of the things that he discusses, I mean, I find him to be very measured, very intelligent, very nonpartisan, very objective. So I think you guys are going to find it very, very interesting. Now, today, we're not going to get too much into the COVID-19. We have some overlap. I should, maybe it depends on how long I talk about it, but only a few tabs we're going to get into around COVID-19, the injections, just kind of, you know, not so much super uh, surface level, but just kind of follow-up points to show you some of the things that I'm noticing. But in particular, today is going to be a couple... I. We had an excellent interview this morning and a few other things. There's a lot kind of going on in my background right now, so I haven't been able to get to a couple shows recently. So today is going to be shorter than I probably would have wanted it to be. Not necessarily short, as you know how we do. But I'm going to start today with a discussion, kind of a follow-up of the pesticide in general conversation that stems from the New York City discussion. But as I said in that discussion, which I hope we didn't miss, it's not unique to New York and it's not new as of this last video. It's been going on a long time. So make sure you understand that, that the point was just that it stood out because of the person it was had a large following pointed to it. And a lot of people didn't know that had happened or that it ever happened. And I think it's really interesting kind of standing back and looking at that discussion now that a lot more people are willing to hear some of the things we're talking about and question things that we weren't allowed to talk about before. And I went over another one. It turned one of the ones that I've found that they are claiming in, on, on top of the Anvil 10 plus 10 we talked about in the last show. I'll show you that link if you haven't seen the episode the one that they claim that they are using right now. And it's actually worse than the other two I just looked at, if you can believe that. And I want to go over what that is. And, if, and a, a great website that's covering the spraying that's been going on in particular in New York City, but also just they're, they're, na they're, in, they're national. So they do talk about Nashville and so on in Tennessee, which is where I am. And I wanted to talk about what they're finding and how, what this ties back to. It's, it's really interesting. And we're going to go over a couple other peripheral conversations from within that that are, I think are really powerful to show you just how this is happening and how what they're willing to allow. And as I said, the title, I mean, there's been lawsuits already. There's there's even laws in place in New York City that they seem to be violating. Nobody seems to care. And these groups are calling it out. They've even won a lawsuit because of it. And the spraying doesn't stop. So my point is, if we can prove that they're dangerous, that they know that they're dangerous, that they know that what they're actually spraying to try and stop is objectively less dangerous in 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 regard to whether or not you're potentially going to get sick and die. Not that they can't be, you know, 
same as I talked about yesterday, but the point is the actual benefits outweigh the risk. When we're talking about West Nile, for example, and what we're really talking about that's happening with these sprays, it's, it's objectively not even in the same ballpark as far as I'm concerned. And yet they're doing it anyway. I don't know how you describe that, if not deliberate. And maybe that and we'll get into the if, ifs and buts, but the point is it seems alarming that these things are still happening and that really should make you stand back and question what else they're capable of, what else they're doing. And that tomorrow with our conversation about the WHO and as he, as he talks about them, the criminal organization, and I, and I see exactly what he's talking about, and it's, it's all provable, right? I mean, that's what these people are doing. It's pretty shocking to see what's really driving some of these things. And it's, you know, it's, it's far too conspiratorial for some people to accept. And it doesn't mean fake, mind you. It just means that powerful people conspire to control your life. I mean, that's literally the history of the world. And yet we can't wrap our minds around that today, but we're getting there one step at a time. We're going to talk a little bit about some, I guess I said some stuff, uh, one point about masks, some overlapping stuff around developments, as we've pointed out in regard to like ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, and then over some vaccine points in general that I find very just important for the average person to see. And those of you that have been following along to see that it's still happening, that it's still very clear. And we're going to uh, one small point about uh, the WHO and the direction of the Great Reset, but using a clip that goes back 15 years that I find very relevant. And then a good section at the end about Ukraine. And really one thing that I actually, there's a lot of points within the Ukraine segment to end the show today. But the point that stood out to me was I just can't believe is there's this entire segment from 60 Minutes talking about finding out where the money's going and literally highlighting how we're funding farms and seeds and agriculture in Ukraine while our own government is destroying farms and seeding and agriculture in this country and around the world. I mean, I don't even know how people make sense of that, including funding to maintain their economy so their businesses can pay their people while you Americans can't find jobs or Americans are losing their jobs because of what they're doing or can't pay their bills. It's just, it's gotten a little ridiculous. It was always ridiculous, but to the point to where it's not like, oh, just take a little bit extra. People are losing jobs, can't pay their bills, and they're funding what's going on over here in a country that's overrun with corruption and run by open neo-Nazis. It's actually, I mean, it's the kind of time you want to say you can't make this stuff up, but definitely you possibly could. But I'm going to start today with a couple of clips or a couple of tweets from uh, Brett Weinstein, actually, that I thought were really interesting. Just, just, just to start off, that I thought were really important just to where we are in the world. He says, I grew up in, in a world where people believed a wide range of things and didn't worry about other people finding out. And, you, I mean, you could apply that to, it doesn't really seem clear in this what he's exactly saying, like, like at what topic he may be pointing at. Quite frankly, I think he's just pointing at everything. That's how I take this. But of course, you could make it about one thing or the other, about the trans conversation or whatever else. But the point is that what he's saying is, you know, at a different time. And I, I mean, I remember this. I mean, There's a point where we saw a really rapid shift between, you know, we just disagree. And I've made this point so many times and I, I've been I've been cataloging its change. I often point at the, the Newt Gingrich clip. How many times have I shown you that? That was the first time I saw somebody as a pol- in a political position say, you go with the facts. I'll go with what the people think. And that's clearly been used. People today, I mean, there's clips all over the place of these kind of protesters versus the trans movement where they're going like, my feelings are more important than the facts. I mean, they're blatantly saying that today. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's incredible. So in his point, there's a time not too long ago, I think we all kind of remember where, where people kind of just, you know, we disagreed and we had opinions, but it wasn't this v- vicious. Like this just complete 
lines drawn in the sand. And he says, next, peop- next people believe the wide range, but wouldn't publicly admit it. Right. So then you got to the point where they're like, oh, OK, well, maybe I shouldn't express my stance on the po- on the president or right. We all saw that, too. And, it, and then it got worse. And, and then they start started being careful, even in private. And that's where we are now, where people are like, oh, like I, I know that this thing is bad, but I'm not going to even dare say it out loud because I could lose my job. I could lose my kids. I could lose my community. I could lose my friends. That's nobody but the government, guys. Now, yeah, there are people doing it, and some of those people are bad people that don't care if it's and like that it's happening. But the point is, it all stems from the uh, the power, the, uh, the power structure. And he says soon they'll hide the truth even from themselves. Quite frankly, I think that's where we already are. Then he says in a different tweet, just seems to relate. They don't teach us how to think; they teach us to pretend to think while deferring to authority. This is our Prussian-based indoctrination school system. I mean, exactly. He says, instead of a diversity of opinion, everything has two sides. No room to notice what doesn't add up. That's a betrayal of your team. Scientific reasoning thus becomes impossible. And you realize that's even with intelligent people that are in the scientific field. If they're overtaken by the, you know, gender ideology discussion to of many points we could make. That just seems to be the most kind of in the scene right now. Where... Yeah, no room to make to, to notice what doesn't add up. Exactly. If everything has two sides and both sides are always valid, well, that means there's no truth. It's just your opinion. And aha, that's exactly where we are right now. Well, I feel differently. What's your truth? Well, my truth is this. I mean, this is kindergarten stuff, guys. We've gotten to the point to where people are challenging objective realities because they feel differently. It's it's alarming. I mean, it, it wouldn't be alarming if we weren't watching people take this to its extreme. I mean, I, again, I, there's a whole bunch of topic, whole bunch of topics that I'm not going to get into today. I have a clip from somebody legitimately arguing, and you've seen this many times, where uh, we're at the point he says where uh, we're, we need to start breaking the law because climate change. Well, by the way, that's already been happening, and I've already been warning you about that. Where people are, if they're of the mind that we're going to die in a year or whatever their number is. And, and, and look at the politicians. No one's paying attention. Well, they think we need to do something dramatic because we're going to die anyway. Well, that, that's when you get the kind of irrational, alarming action, whether we're shooting people up or whatever it is you see around the world. People are losing it because of stuff like that. And they say we're radicalizing people by giving them an objective perspective and ca- challenging things that they're saying. I mean, that's it's incredible where we are. Betrayal of your team. That's team sport politics. Truth 3 Media says, no one is going to give you the education you need to overthrow them. Exactly. Hmm. Well, I just hope we can get some truth from these things, some, some objective truth, and realize that we are being manipulated, whether or not you think you're right in the political divide. The government doesn't care about your opinion. It doesn't care about the teams. I know people lost in the paradigm think that's the only thing that matters, and that's what they want from you. Just try to wake up and see past it because that's what's keeping you stuck in the mud. Or rather, more aptly, the hamster wheel, right? But let's talk about the broad conversation here. I mean, it's starting with this. Really, the the point is going to be about the New York spraying and some interesting points here. But the reason I paused there is because I opened with this tweet that kind of encapsulates three or four major points from my last show. And this one was this is the one we just did on the 22nd. Obligatory pesticide spraying in New York City, which, by the way, you could say mandatory, but obligatory in, in, involves typically a level of moral uh, of manipulation. 
right? Mandatory just means you have to. Obligatory means you have to, but there's also an angle of it that typically means like, you know, you're obligated to because societal pressure. And that's my point about this is it's not, they don't really say you have to, or they don't even ask your opinion. It's sort of like, they just kind of act like that's what society needs. Therefore, it's not even a question. That's why I use that term because I think that's exactly the way they're doing all this stuff today. But, and then it says GM mosquitoes and flying vaccinators, are they all connected? And I think very clearly we can see that they are using the same technology, which I just, David Martin and I just talked about a little bit today. It's very alarming. And so I went over a tweet here that kind of plucked out some of the more important points. So first of all, I just went to this one, which is an article from 2019. It says study authors, quote, collected mosquitoes from several neighborhoods before, during, and in the three months after the genetically modified mosquito trial. All right, so this is Oxitec, Bill Gates funding, as well as others, releasing mosquitoes into the world, genetically modified, under the guise that this is lowering the population of mosquitoes and keeping you safe because it's a tried and true method. That's what we're being told today. It's not not testing. It's not finding out if it works. It's doing the thing we know will be successful to keep you safe. That's what the news tells you anyway, quote-unquote news. Then it goes on to say, quote, they estimate between 5% and 60% of these mosquitoes had some DNA from the Oxitex strain. That's the OX57, whatever that is, the, the, the Aegis Egypti mosquito genetically modified specific strain they use. And it's the ones they've been using for decades. It's the same specific strain in the context of this one we're talking about. They found five, in some cases, 60% of these insects had some DNA from the strain in their genome. Genome, not just in their in their genome, guys, as much as 13% of the total genome in one case. The reason that's important, first of all, that's not how it's supposed to work. Secondly, this is what's happening to people right now. And we're going to get into that in the sh- later in the show today when we get into the DNA side of this. There's a lot of people who are calling this out. German professors, shout out as usual to Dr. Kevin McKernan, who was the one that I think broke this story. And it's it kind of just wasn't really realized when he was really early on talking about it, sort of what happens on this show all the time. We're, we're three months ahead of a story and we're like, look over here and nobody's paying attention. And then it breaks a month later from somebody else. It, it's good, whatever, glad it gets out. But the point is, this is a very important story to see what this means in regard to just the broad technology, not just COVID-19 injections, but the gene manip- the, the gene silencing, gene drive, g- genetic therapy kind of discussion. That's the GM mosquitoes, that's the flying vaccinators, that's your COVID-19 injections. That also overlaps with the, gen- the broad conversation we had with Dr. David Martin today about just the general dual-use bioweapon delivery system, the payload system that is the Charles... Lieber, Robert Langer, overlap tech that goes all the way back to the beginning. The MR, the lipid nanoparticle mRNA delivery system that is arguably, well, it's not benign. Those things in and of themselves have been shown to be quite dangerous. In fact, the platform is in, apparently uh, at least one peer-reviewed study has found that it's what part, it part causing myocarditis, possibly the largest part. But they tell you it's benign. My point in saying that is that that's, the payload is supposed to be the problem. So you can make it something that vaccinates you and keeps you safe, even though it's not what's happening, or it could be something that delivers something dangerous, or it could be something that delivers something that you then put off that becomes dangerous for other people. That becomes the shedding, self-spreading concept. These are all very real. There's 
far too many people that dismiss these things today, despite how very obviously real they are and all the peer reviewed studies and open conversations from Johns Hopkins. And, you know, people just love to dismiss things today. So you're finding just like in the injections right now that you have or that these mosquitoes back in 2019 were getting DNA from the Oxitec strain in their genome up to 13 percent in one case and 60 percent of the mosquitoes up to they were finding this. And as I said, I just went over this in my recent show. Interesting that we see DNA contamination in the COVID jabs as well as DNA contamination in the mosquitoes, both utilizing the same genetic manipulation technology, hashtag dual use. And then I tagged that and said, are you aware that the GM mosquito released in California, the GM mosquitoes released in California and Florida and elsewhere, by the way, 20 states, Derek wrote about in 2017, I believe. Are you aware that that's actually an ongoing experiment? If you have not watched this show and you didn't know that, you may want to because it is. Are you okay with that? Considering that there is provable DNA contamination and that between 3 and 15% of these mosquitoes do not die as designed but actually get stronger. Here's the link to the experimental use permit that's been amended. Right, that, That's OX5034 is what I was trying to remember. Aegis aegypti. March 6, 2022. In 2023, they they amended and and re-permitted it for Florida. Even though, weirdly enough, Oxitec chose to not do it in California. You could find a political motive there. I don't know if that's why, but it's interesting. But either way, they're going to go forward in 2023 in Florida again. And it says experimental use permit, guys. The EPA, right there. And I said, per an Oxytech confidential information document. Right there. And the link is in here. The link was in the show before. Released via FOIA request. They knew very early, in fact, that actually 15% of the mosquitoes actually did not die, even though that's what they told you was happening, but got stronger, which they then spread to their offspring that they are not supposed to be able to have. And this is their document that shows what basically the breakdown is they found 15% survival in a transgenic line of these mosquitoes. They were getting 3%. The point was the mosquitoes were being transmitted in in the drones that deliver these things. And I even went over the toxic drone delivery system, but that's a different topic. And they were using cat food. Which is, I don't, I don't even know if I guess that's normal. It's disgusting. But they, it had, the cat food had tetracycline in it, which allowed them to create 15% of them that wouldn't get sick. Then they passed that on to their, their offspring. And now you got offspring that are not only continuing to grow and stronger, but unaffected by what this is. Sort of like the antibiotic resistance concept, right? But the point was, even though they were finding 15%, they were still finding 3% whether or not that problem happened. So either way, you've got 3% of the mosquitoes that were getting out having offspring and making ones that so uh, so what's going to happen in 20 years when this happens you're going to end up with groups that are unable to be stopped i mean that's kind of the same point we're making about the antibiotic resistance problem and they know they're doing it probably by design for all i know they just don't care so my point in starting with all of this is just to make sure you don't miss these points because we're talking about these things (laughs) i mean and it's amazing to me that you can see their permits experimental why is it okay that we're being tested on I mean, I mean that with the COVID injection and everything else, but this is a blatant, obvious reality. We are being tested on with genetically modified mosquitoes from a billionaire philanthropist, which is not even what he really is. And on top of that, he just did a massive worldwide experiment with others in regard to genetically modified foods, which utterly failed. 
And before that, plot, I mean, on and on and on. O- oral polio, which failed. And now they're fighting a vaccine-derived strain. It's ridiculous. But yeah, let's let them try. Let's let them keep manipulating us while we're giving gene therapy injection shots to half the world. Just make sure you don't miss how important this stuff is. Now, going into the and, and watch the show if you'd like to find out more of a deep overlap. Now, this is a, a website that somebody shared with me, nospray.org. Shout out to them. I reached out to see if they wanted to jump on for an interview. They looks like they've been doing this for a long time. Now, this is from the 21st. Brooklyn and Queens to be sprayed with toxic pesticides. I mean, it's everything we were just talking about. I'm going to go over just some of the points to stand out. I find this to be important. For the 24th year. Now, again, make sure you heard what I said before. This is not just New York. And as you can see there, it's been going on a long time. But New York is the focal point of this exact article. For the 24th year, New York City's pesticide spray program dousing New Yorkers and the entire ecosystem with toxic pesticides continues with no end in sight. Now, again, before you, you know, when they say toxic pesticides, I agree. And that's easily the fact. But yes, this is an individual website that clearly doesn't want this to happen. So factor that in. But realize at the bottom of this, there's a whole bunch of studies and and court rulings that literally defined exactly what they're saying. So this is not some personal blog. I mean, you could look at it like that, but they have the backing on what they're saying. And I've proven it with the studies that then shows that I've done. It says, unlike its dramatic beginnings with Mayor, this is interesting, with Mayor Giuliani apparently providing daily updates from his World Trade Center bunker. Now, that was 2019, or uh, 2000, uh, oh wait, it's down here at the bottom. There's a date they gave me. Where was it? Let's see. Of course, I forgot. Here, I'll wait to get there. There was a, there's a date. I want to make sure I get it right. Was it? Uh... Yeah. Okay. So just make sure. So 1999, right? So before 9/11, I find that interesting. I, I don't even know why necessarily, but so we're talking about Giuliani. Which I mean, the reason that for me it stands out is remembering that Giuliani is obviously what you know. I'll, I should bring up James Corbett's 9-11 suspects and the Giuliani uh, part of that. Let's see. Probably pop up, but I'll include it. The point is that Giuliani... Oh, look at that. <laughs> look how interesting... Look at this, guys. That's hilarious to me. It's somebody else's podcast. But I was only looking for 9-11 suspects, James Corbett, and Giuliani's the first one that popped up. The world works in mysterious ways. <laughs> there you go. Look at that. You know, it's probably the most popular one. It's probably why. I'll include this. Make sure you watch it. And and all of the 9-11 suspects, by the way. It's an outstanding, as everything Corbett does, overlap of this topic. But so the point is that on that 9-11 suspects discussion, Giuliani was one of the ones that, you know, he has his little bunker and he has the, the what he, I forget exactly what it was, the setup he had on the, on the, on the Harbor. And it was all just very prescient. Like they clearly, they knew what was coming is the point. And of course he was also involved with the decision to make, allow everyone to go back, even though they, you could prove now they knew that this was toxic, but the point here, he is using this to, I guess, give daily updates about the spraying. It's very strange to me. I don't know why that makes sense. It says the current spraying receives little notice or fanfare. And this is one of the biggest issues I have with this. You Look, the whole thing is ridiculous. The idea that we're pretending it's okay for them to spray pesticides, there's no positive angle to that, over people's homes when they know it's toxic to people, bees and fish and everything right out of their own documentation. But the fact that they don't really tell anybody is unbelievable. Like, that's even crazy for them. Because 
you know that means that people won't even be able to get out of the way if they don't know what's happening. What if you're deaf? What if you got earphones in? Because the point is, I showed you the clip where they're going, you know, go back in your homes and they're, re- you know, out of a megaphone out of their truck. And they're spraying out of the back of the truck. I just what if someone didn't hear it and they walk out and so on? There's a thousand ways this could affect people. It says the no spray coalition continues its fight against this toxic pesticide spraying. The organization actually won a lawsuit in 2007 against the spraying, including a settlement by the city, of all things, admitting to its harmful impacts. Let me say that again. It's all linked down here. You can look at it for yourself. They won a lawsuit in 2007 against the spraying when the, the city gave paid a settlement and admitted it was harmful. Yet, they never even missed a beat. They kept spraying anyway. All around the country, mind you. But again, this is specific to New York. People deserve, they go on to say, to at least know why and how they will be sprayed with these harmful chemicals, and yet there remains little and insufficient notification. This is what I said the other day. There is sparse, if any, media coverage. And there was that one clip. The only one I found was from last year, and it was a 50-second clip, and I doubt anybody saw it. On top of that, I haven't seen any others. And if they are, they're posted on a website somewhere where most people don't even look. It says the only way now for public to be alerted to the spraying is by possibly coming across a flyer placed on a random telephone pole, which barely anybody looks at, which won't mention much beyond spraying to reduce mosquitoes, right? Not where, not time. And on top of that, you're in New York, guys. There's posters everywhere. Elected officials have taken a hands-off approach to the point where they do not even notify their constituents. Gee, I wonder why. 16 adult deciding events, which means they're spraying to kill adult mosquitoes, have taken place since July 24th of this year. Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Bronx, Staten Island, 16. And there's more coming as we counted. I think it was 21 over the uh, that's going to happen this year. It's still happening right now. There's one tomorrow. It doesn't make sense. The timing of it doesn't add up. Now, it says down here, the pesticide spraying program in New York City aimed to kill mosquitoes said to be carrying West Nile all the way back then, mind you. Sure, sure seems like it's working, right? I've been doing it for 24 years. And we'll get into that. It's actually gotten worse, which shows you it's not working. Or maybe it is exactly the way they want it to. 1999, under Mayor Rudolph Giuliani, who gave daily ludicrous updates from his World Trade Center bunker. Oh, why? Maybe because they were trying to scare people? And continues three mayors later with now Eric Adams. The perethroid pesticides being sprayed have been shown to be harmful to human health and and the health of the ecosystem. I'll show you that again today, including animals, birds, wildlife, insects, and more. But let's drench the city with this, you know, for the one in five may have some symptoms West Nile issue. And within that, very few of them actually end up dying. But you're going to give people cancer, kill. I mean, you know, I could hypothetically go off forever. But the point is that this has a direct immediate effect on the ecosystem. And then the kind of things that happen to people, you can never prove that it was because of what they did. The pesticides kill off natural predators of mosquitoes. One part that I forgot to bring up last time including dragonflies and bats. The spraying will occur by truck with pesticides fog from the back of it, as you've seen. But if they're killing off the things that kill the mosquitoes, and then we know that it's not having the effect that it's supposed to be, what do you get? More of them, which is what studies have found. It's having the opposite effect. And again, maybe that's the point. The city is spraying perethroid pesticides. And as I pointed out, Anvil 10 plus 10, if you want to know about that one, I went over it in depth on this show, but the one I'll talk about today Equally harmful containing uh, or, or duet, which is equally harmful containing not only synthetic simuthrin, which is the one we also talked about yesterday, which I'll briefly point out again today, but cancer causing uh, PBO, I think is how you 
the acronym for this, Piperol, uh, Piperonal Butoxide. In 2021, new pesticides, a new pesticides bill passed the New York City Council unanimously. It was intended to reduce the use of pesticides. However, the New York City Department of Health, I guess, just continues, not I guess, I shouldn't have said that, continues to issue itself waivers. <laughs> that's, how, that's how the government works today, guys. That's how our broken and illegitimate government works. You have the living embodiment of the will of the people where they vote unanimously to not let this happen, right? And then just write waivers to themselves. You know, like we investigate ourselves and found ourselves not guilty. That's not how this is supposed to work. That's like executive orders saying you can do what you want with the broken system that we have. They literally write waivers so they can spray, even though there's a bill that says they're not supposed to, not in the set, not the way that they are. Continues to issue itself waivers due to the provisions of the city's anti-pesticide laws, thereby setting in motion the spraying of toxic pesticides in residential areas and public parks and streets. At the same time, there is no evidence presented that the city's pesticide spraying has prevented West Nile disease. The risk of contracting West Nile is very low, which it is. As I, I Again, in this episode, I show you the CDC's own website that goes over that data. It's very low. Does not justify what's happening here. It says, in fact, there is no evidence that the number of mosquitoes, let alone those that carry West Nile virus, has ever been diminished by this spraying. That may seem counterintuitive, but in fact, studies show that mosquitoes come back after spraying in larger numbers than before, and many are now resistant to the pesticides. That's what we just showed you. That's why we showed you that. That's This is a corporate, I mean, the, the stud, this is a, a from science.org, showing you not only that they're not having the effect, but they're actually transmitting the, the specific strain and they're not dying and they're spreading this. And on top of that, their own data showed you that more than they say are surviving. I mean, it's, it's just, it's unbelievable. So my point is they know all of this. They just lie to you about it. And the people that sell you this idea, most of them don't even know they're lying. Like the, the talking heads in the media on the corporate news. Meanwhile, it says the pesticides not only cause cancer and disrupt the endocrine system, right? That's the whole endocrine disrupting chemicals that very clearly, in some cases, cause gender dysphoria and have all sorts of manipulative long-term problems. I mean, this, this is exactly one of the, this is one of the larger parts of what's happening, but greatly reduced sperm counts. So it affects your hormonal makeup and reduces sperm. On, all follow in the wake of the pesticides. In 2000, Joel... Cooper, Cooperman, Cooperman of the New York Environmental Law and Justice Project, in conjunction with Pace Environmental Law Clinic, filed a lawsuit against the spraying with the No Spray Coalition as lead plaintiff. The No Spray Coalition was joined by Beyond Pesticides, Disabled in Action, and Save Organic Standards as co-plaintiffs. In 2006, a federal judge ruled that the, new, the city of New York was in violation of the Clean Water Act. And by 2007... Having lost its key points in the case, the city was compelled to negotiate a settlement with the Nosebreak Coalition. So it all ended, right? We won. It's over. Yet to this date, the city of New York sprays on. Like, this is the kind of thing that gets people like me. Like, this is the kind of thing that gets people that give up. How, I mean, this is why people, a lot of people in our position are no longer feeling that even the judicial system is the path, right? I mean, come, like, yeah, they got money. Good. They got attention. Good. Everything they did was right. 
The problem is that the system doesn't care. Did anybody go to jail for the for knowingly breaking the law? Apparently not. And they spread. They didn't skip a beat. How can you get it? How can you pay? See, the problem is that this ends up not being like this seems like it was likely not a criminal trial. Otherwise, or maybe I, I don't even know because it doesn't list it. My point is, if it was, then I mean, I we should have no faith in the system. Hard to say I do anyway. But my God, how can you have a settlement? They pay. They admit they were wrong. And they just don't stop. It says, as part of the 2007 decision in the No Spray Coalition's lawsuit, the city admitted, signed, and in writing, stipulated that the pesticides, according to the ruling that they signed, may remain in the environment beyond their intended purpose. Exactly. That's exactly the opposite of what they sell people on the news. It says it may cause adverse health effects, may kill mosquitoes, may kill mosquitoes, natural predators, dragonflies, bats, frogs, birds. So why are they doing this? Increase mosquitoes' resistance to the sprays, exactly what we're seeing, and are not approved for direct application to waterways, and I guarantee that gets into the drains, which I'll show you on this document, says exactly what they should aggressively try to avoid. Everything. To something that is really not that dangerous. The city has never performed a thorough environmental review and and epidemiologic analysis of the pesticide spraying. Sort of like 5G, where they go, oh, nobody's done any studies, so guess we're flying blind. Crickets. And guess what? It all went forward anyway, because nobody cares. Like, that's the problem, guys. These people are driving to sleep at the wheel if they care at all. And the, the criminals are driving the bus. It's right in front of us. Never done in and out. How can that be true? It is. It's very clear. Being sprayed in the face or caught in the fogging is considered low-level exposure. New Yorkers have filed numerous complaints. Many have had their pets die. Exactly what we're talking about. Don't care. They just ignore it. They act like they can't connect it. Like sound from, Sounds familiar, right? They've learned from these things. Well, we don't know if it could be caused by something else. Certainly could be. So we just ignore it then. Yep, that's their answer. These are the same officials, agencies, and health department that certified the air is safe after 9-11. They were wrong, egregiously, and we now know that they knew they were wrong, and directed New Yorkers to return to contaminated residents, workplaces, and firehouse, just like is happening in East Palestine. And now they're about to get pennies in the dollar for their homes because they have no other option and nobody's been paying attention to East Palestine anymore. Toxicologist Dr. Robert Simon, who took soil samples from around the city following the first year of spraying 24 years ago, and whose testimony in court was extremely damning to the city's spraying program. He states, quote, the only solution is another lawsuit against the New York City Department of Health. Let's think about how crazy that is. That means that the New York City Department of Health is the they they're the criminal and they know what they're doing because they already lost. They just don't stop. That's when we're supposed to be told that the federal government steps in and makes the, but they don't care either, guys. This is when the people need to step in. And I don't ever mean violence. But the point is, they don't care. And if we just let it keep going, they're going to go perfect. Nobody cares. It says they do not care what we think and will not respond unless a judge tells them to. That's the expert speaking. The current spraying is the same pattern of disrespect for the law that they have shown since they started spraying. This is a bigger story than even I realized. I mean, mean, again, I've known about this, but when you really start digging into this, this is responsible for a lot. 24 years of 
month, month and months of constant spraying, I should say constant, but repeated spraying, cancers, gender dysphoria, all sorts of illnesses, infections, auto, everything we've talked about, guys. I mean, this is crazy to me. The city recklessly disregards scientific studies that run counter to its drumbeat for spraying. And these studies, which they're all linked and you can read for yourself, they include a major CDC study of all things that found that all residents of the United States, including residents of New York City, now carry dangerously high levels of pesticides and their residues in our bodies, which, of course, have onerous effects on our health. So this is kind of like the CDC mass study in 2020 that goes, yeah, they don't work and they actually hurt people. But we're going to lie about that and pretend that we never said that. And if you point that at it, we're going to say it's outdated and you're wrong. Their own study finds that we are actually hurting by the like we like glyphosate. It's the same point. That's that's exactly this conversation. And we're disrupting chemical. It is around the world. They know it. They know it's in your blood. They know it's in your saliva right now, guys. And that's not a joke. It is everywhere. It's in your urine. It's in the food you're eating. It's in the clothes you're wearing. I've done a thousand reports on this. If you haven't heard that conversation, realize in, in, in the UK, the parliament did it. it I, I think I called it the piss test around the world where they tested their urine and every single one of them had glyphosate in their urine. Every single organic wine, which means they're no longer organic in Napa Valley, all have glyphosate in them. Craft beers in Germany, same thing. It's over. And what that means, pretty alarming. So they know and they don't care. And not only that, they spray even more. How do you see that But anything but deliberate? A U.S. geological study showing that a large percentage of waterways and streams throughout the United States, including those in New York City and state, have been found to contain environmentally destructive pesticides that may be severely, may have severely impact, that may severely impact animal and aquatic life. Like you'd think that would be enough, wouldn't it? doesn't matter. So it's in your body. It's in the water around you. They keep spraying. Studies confirming that pesticides are both a trigger for asthma attacks and a root cause of asthma. One of the reasons probably why kids are having asthma in, in more and more prevalence. And that asthma is an epidemic across New York City. I wonder why. Cicero Swamp Study showing that pesticides killed off the natural predators of the mosquitoes. And as a consequence, they came back even stronger after the spraying because many of their natural predators were dead. These studies were done in New York State for mosquitoes carrying the EEE, which is one of the earlier reasons they sprayed this, Eastern Equine, uh, equine or Queen Encephalitis, which, by the way, is interesting because it's the same argument they made for, oh, well, it's now it's West Nile, which also causes encephalitis. It's, like it's all just kind of a new narrative, but same point, which makes you me very suspicious about what's actually causing encephalitis and found a 15-fold increase in mosquitoes after spraying. So the study... Not proved that they had a 15-fold increase after spraying designed to stop them. Exactly like the GM mosquitoes that they put out, and then the same thing happens. <laughs> Mind-blowing. I mean, that's why I overlap this point with this, because this is about the GM mosquitoes, right? But it's the same general points, the same technologies, the same manipulation. It's all the stuff we're talking about. Then it says... And that virtually all the new generations of mosquitoes were pesticide-resistant. So when they have studies that prove that what they're doing is making them stronger, making them come back more, they're resistant to what they're using, and they know that, that only then my opinion is that means all they're doing is putting pesticides in front of you. And I guess growing the population of mosquitoes in order to justify the spraying on you next time. Just my opinion. But, I mean, 
logically logical conclusion based on what what's in front of us right now. My point is that's a CDC study up here. They know all of this. Studies that show that pesticides have cumulative, multi-generational, degenerative impacts on human health. Hurting your kids. Especially on the development of children, which may not be evident immediately and may only appear years or even decades later, and then they blame something else. Oh, another sudden infant death syndrome. Another autism problem. We don't relate to anything else or whatever else it is. I mean, I'm not not even saying there's a connection. I'm just saying whatever. The point is these things are having an effect and we can prove it and they just pretend it's not the truth. Studies that show that pesticides make it easier for mosquitoes and other organisms to get and transmit West Nile. So there are peer-reviewed studies that find that they're making it more, it's, it's, they're making it easier to transmit the very thing they claim they're trying to stop. <laughs> it's just it, it, mind-blowing. Because, and this is specific in the study, it finds that this damages their stomach lining. And thus it allows them to easier, to, it, makes them more, it makes it more likely for them to translate or transmit West Nile. Studies that show that pyrethroid spraying, which is what all of these are, is ineffective in reducing the number of next generation mosquitoes. The whole reason they're doing it. Unbelievable. Finally, it says the No Spray Coalition branch in Nashville, Tennessee, analyzed data contrasting cities that spray, like Dallas, Nashville, Baltimore, and cities that don't spray. D.C., Washington, Charlotte, Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, Cincinnati, Fort Worth, Texas, and released its report in 2012 based on statistics provided by the health departments of 14 major cities. What did they find? Results show... No significant difference in Westile virus rates between communities that spray and those that don't. For all these people screaming, trust the science, arguing about these kind of correlations and overlook oh, at this, you have an ing- you're, it lowers your long COVID risk because of what we point at in this study. Okay, fine. I can prove that you're, ma- you're, you're conflating things and lying about this or that. But here's a study that you guys put on, some of them done by the CDC, that quite literally find that not only it's not having an effect, it's increasing it and they do nothing. the same story guys and here's the one they discuss about the spray versus no spray same thing the communities that sprayed had an average of 1.37 people with west nile virus per 100,000. the communities that didn't spray had 1.19 people with west nile virus per 100,000. so a, 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 a not a non a not statistically significant difference one and a quarter the results show no significant difference in West Nile virus rates between communities that sprayed and those that didn't. Communities that did not spray put a strong emphasis on public education, selective uh, larviciding, and some employ seasonal help to help locate breeding sites for mosquitoes. Point is, letting people make choices. Remove standing water, you know, education. God forbid. Choice. This is from September 18th. Just a report in case, you know, again, for those that don't may not believe this is there. New York City and Department of Health. Health Department to conduct mosquito adult sighting in parts of Brooklyn, Queens, reduce the risk of West Nile. September 18th, 20, and just, you know, same thing. Just telling you, stay indoors. Clearly showing you it's a risk. Now, let's go, let's go to one of the ones they're using. Oh, did I close that? Let me see. Not that I need it open, but, uh, oh, it's right here. So you can see down here, this is, this is the new one. You can see they're scheduled for tomorrow, right? So if you're in Bronx... It's it's gonna be sprayed. So speak up. All these look at all, all these neighborhoods right here. Now, 
it's under under pesticide safety and pesticides used. There's some important information here I went over in the last show. But we went over 10 plus 10. We went over Delta Guard. Today we're going to look at Duet and what that is and what it means. So here's the safety data sheet. So I just have these images make it easier to look at. So we'll go over this really quickly. First of all, it's listed as aspiration toxicity category one, which is the highest category. Aspiration toxicity refers to the specific toxicity or other hazards posed by aspiration, including severe acute health effects such as chemical pneumonia, which is exactly one of the things they talk about in here, or death following aspiration. As you can see, Toxic category one is the highest toxic. It's highly toxic and severely irritating. I mean, think about how ridiculous this is just right out of the gate. That's what they're saying. This is a category one aspiration toxicity. And they're spraying this over children, homes, everything. I just right, I just in and of itself find that absurd. Now, under the danger, well, let me see, make sure I can cut that off. Okay, yeah, same thing. Here's what it says under danger. Just basic stuff. Now, again, my point with this in general, and it gets way worse as we go through this, is just to show you that if it has any effect, small, large, old, you know, large effect when taken all your life or you know, generally accepted as safe when it's this little, the point is that it has an effect. And that matters. They don't get to decide what effect is is enough for you to, to just have a choice about. It's it's your body, your choice, right? <laughs> All these people out there that have screamed out their whole lives are now suddenly you know, in this wildly hypocritical position. So if it has an effect, it's it has an effect on your children, on you, on your food in your front yard, your, your gardening. Harmful if inhaled. You're spraying this in the air. It's a category one aspiration toxicity, harmful if inhaled, maybe fatal if swallowed and enters airways. Well, you're spraying it in the air. I mean, how ridiculous is that? And also on top of that, realize that what the, what we just read through the studies, are they, they admitted they were actually in court, had to pay and admit that, yes, it ends up in areas they don't expect. It, go, it sticks around longer than it's supposed to. I mean, no brainer. Prevention, avoid breathing mist and spray. <laughs> ridiculous. Now, yes, it says use only outdoors. If inhaled, remove victim. <laughs> Look at this. It, it says remove victim. If inhaled, remove victim to fresh air and keep at rest in a position for breathing. Call Poison Center if you feel unwell. Same thing, swallowed, store locked up. Okay, next one. Now, this was just to point out so you could see this, that this is exactly the same things we're talking about. One of the, one of the most active chemicals in this is smethrin, penethorin, which is the one we'll look at, which is just the same. It's one of the versions of the same thing. And then BPO are the two main active ingredients. So it's basically the same as the as the Amyl 10 plus 10 in regard to smethrin. But here's, here's some of the most incredible parts in here. Under toxicology information, maybe fatal if swallowed. Fatal. So let's just say it sprays on a children's toy in the front yard, Right. And, and nobody heard because nobody's paying attention. They're watching TV inside and the kid comes out right afterward and licks on the toy. I mean, we, it, it's, let's just realize how clearly this is possible. Now, fatal if swallowed, they say, can be. Then it says, however, if you do, vomiting it up may cause aspiration pneumonia, which is what we were just talking about with the category one point of it. Chemical pneumonia. So this stuff is no joke. 
moderately toxic after short-term skin contact. Really? You are quite literally spraying something above people's homes that is moderately toxic after short-term skin contact. I mean, guys, this sounds like it's a deliberate action to hurt people. I don't know how else we make sense of this. People can't be this stupid. It has to be deliberate, willful, willful ignorance or a deliberate act, in my opinion. Moderately toxic after short-term skin contact. No data is available to indicate product or any other components present at greater than 0.1% are mutagenic or genotoxic. So regardless of the number, the point is we don't have data. So we didn't look. Mutagenic or genotoxic? Really important. Overlapping. I mean, this is what we're talking about with the, the, the genetically manipulative. Whether that's by design or not, we can, we can look further. Not carcinogenic, they say. But there's other parts that seem to challenge that. It says marginally higher incidences of benign liver tumors in mice were observed. So that's my point. Okay, so in some of these mainstream circles, they act like that's meaningless. But that's for you to decide. If you if you find that even the smallest increase in tumors in mice were observed during the treatment, even if it was a high dose lifetime, it means it still has an effect, however minimal, on your body. I, I shouldn't need to explain this. You guys all know that. And and be a P, B, a PBO, which is the one, other one we're pointing at. We'll show you that in a second. The significance of these observations is unde- undetermined and under review. Great. So as they find, as they review whether or not it will give you tumors, let's go ahead and spray it over your homes because we don't know for sure. So we know it's not there until we know for sure, right? We don't know if these vac- the Bayer system hasn't been confirmed. So we'll dismiss it all until we find out and keep giving it to everybody because that's smart and safe, right? Maybe that's the new definition of safe, for all we know. That's how ridiculous it is. Dangerous things for your safety, I've been saying since the beginning of this. At doses at which tumors were observed in the PBO, greatly exceeded potential exposure from labeled uses. So that's, so that's their excuse. Well, we give, they got tumors, but we gave them way more than you get. Well, okay, did you give them one dose, long-term dose? What about the month after month repeated spraying over 24 years? Maybe that'll have an effect? Yeah. This product has not been tested, period. Reproductive effects. Oh, great. So you're spraying it over children and families, and you haven't even studied whether it has reproductive effects. Pretty pretty typical for our government. No data is available to indicate products or, or any components produce a fertility-impairing effect. So they haven't studied about whether it is geno, uh, genotoxic, and they haven't studied whether it has a fertility problem. Do you, do you wonder if maybe that's because it does? Sort of like well, Pfizer goes, you know, we're not going to look because, and then it turns out all the things they didn't look at were really, really problematic. Under the same point. Oh, I actually forgot to look at this. I can promise you this on every other data point and the other studies and other research, these things are all dangerous for bees and fish. And, and clearly for bats and dragonflies and other bugs. I mean, that's what they do. So I, I forgot to look at, for those that may know, please look in the chat, break down, like what this is showing you is toxicity to fish. The main active ingredient is showing you that they do have an acute risk in the first 96 hours. I just don't break down the actual amounts, specifically bluegill sunfish, rainbow trout, toxicity to aquatic invertebrates. All, that, all of these things are being hurt by this. Doesn't that matter to anybody? Toxicity to plants. Guess they just, no data available. Gee, I wonder why. Spray it over people's front yards, but we don't know whether it's toxic to the food that they're going to later consume from their garden. 
product-specific data not available under persistence and, deg and uh, degradability. Data referenced in this relation to active ingredients. So whether or not it, it is biodegradable is interesting. There's no data, no specific data available. Isn't, shouldn't you be, be legally required to find out how this breaks down in the environment? It's a, under this mobility in soil, it says it has a low water still solubil, so, solubility and binds tightly to soil. That doesn't sound like a positive thing. They sell it on here like, oh, well, it's not going to mix with water. Therefore, it won't contaminate groundwater. But I don't even think that makes sense. Just because it won't mix in, it doesn't mean it won't flow through the water. But ultimately, it binds tightly to soil. So you're spraying this over people's front yards. I don't think that is a good thing. BPO, so for, that's semethrin or the pheno, phenothrin, and then PBO, equally problematic, is not very soluble in water and adheres moderately to soil with organic matter. The hazard for palathrene, to another chemical in this, to move off the site of application with rain or irrigation is rated moderate. So one of these problematic chemicals is it has a moderate risk of racing down the water drain, spraying it in your front yards. Here it says, get this, under water treatment, avoid release to the environment. <laughs> too late. About 24 years ago, too late. <laughs> Unbelievable. Now, just under phenothrin, just so you can see, this is the is also called semethrin, synthetic pyrethroid. Here's what it says. And this is specifically the, the, the phenothrin version. It is extremely, not kind of, extremely toxic to bees. A, a, an EPA study, of all things, found that 0 0.07 micrograms was enough to kill honeybees. Are they trying to kill honeybees? Extremely toxic. You're spraying it on people's front yards in all over areas where there are plenty of bees. A study from the EPA found that they, a minuscule amount is enough to kill honeybees. I, I wonder what's happening to them. People have been screaming from environmental positions that they're that this is what's happening. Nobody's paying attention. It's right on Wikipedia for crying out loud. It is also extremely toxic to aquatic life with a study showing concentrations of even lower 0 0.03 parts per billion killing shrimp. But I'm sure it's okay for your child, right? It has increased risk of liver cancer in rats, mice in long-term exposure with doses of a range of 100 milligrams per kilogram of body weight per day or above. It is capable of killing mosquitoes, although remains poisonous to cats and dogs. With seizures and deaths being reported due to poisoning. This is publicly available. This is from their own study, and they're spraying it all over your family. Specific data on concentrations or exposure are lacking. But good, let's use it in the meantime. Perethrin has been found to possess anti-androgen properties and was responsible for a small epidemic of gyne uh, gynecomastia via isolated environmental exposure. So let me make sure you understand this. They've already found that it has endocrine-disrupting properties, and they've already proven that it has been responsible because of spraying for an epidemic of this. Male breasts. Can you see that picture? It is the abnormal non-cancerous enlargement of one or both breasts in males due to the growth of breast tissue as a result of hormone imbalance between estrogen and androgens. How can all this be possible? 
Doesn't they apparently just nobody cares? Where's the corporate media? Where are all those great investigative journalists out there that don't care about any of this stuff? An epidemic, and you're spraying it over your families. The EPA has not assessed its effect on cancer in humans. They haven't even looked into it. However, one study performed by the Mount Sinai School of Medicine linked semethrin with breast cancer. The link made by its effect on increasing the expression of a gene responsible for mammary tissue proliferation. The products were linked to a range of adverse reactions, including hair loss, salvation, salivation, like saliva, tremors, and numerous deaths in cats and kittens. In the short term, the agreement called for new warning labels on the products, but they never stopped spraying it. Right. So for something that is very small risk, you are killing people's animals, causing cancer, causing all sorts of endocrine manipulation. I mean, this does not make sense unless they are wildly uninformed or trying to do this. Here is the other. Here's the PPO. Same thing. Or a couple small points. There's overlap. Pesticide formulations that despite having no pesticidal activity of its own, what it's used for is it enhances the potency of certain pesticides. So how much you want to bet when they point in an amount and they say, oh, it's this small amount. So you're okay. Then they add this that increases its potency. Do you think they then factor that in? No, they have bureaucratic lines and they go, it's below the line. So you're good even though that probably means you're not anyway. Then they add this, which increases its potency, so it'll work better. But does that mean it increases its risk to you? How much you, how much you want to bet nobody's cared to look into that? They haven't. Perethroids. That's what they're using them for, to enhance the pesticides they're using, as if that has no effect on you. PPO causes an increase in liver tumors in mice that ingested high levels of PBO in the diet for their entire lifetimes. Sure, so that would arguably be small but you're using this alongside other things that have this same effect. The scientific identification and analysis of the key events leading to the formation of the mouse liver tumors suggest that the events are not likely to occur in humans. Well, how about I'd like to hear not likely to occur. I'd like to have a choice. The EPA classifies PBO as a carcinogen. Great. So now you have on this side of it, you've got dangerous pesticides that are causing all sorts of problems. Then a small version of the same problem on this side, but this one's also a carcinogen. Just incredible to me. PBO has been found to inhibit the the hedgehog signaling pathway, a critical regulator of brain and face development in all vertebrates via antagonism of the protein smoothened. PBO was found to be capable of causing dose-dependent brain and face malformations in mice exposed during early development, including rare human birth defect, holoprosencephaly, which is a cephalic disorder in which the prosencephalon fails to develop in two hemispheres, typically occurring between 18 and 20 days of gestation. So, you know, so your baby inside your stomach or your newborn. Literally telling you rare human birth defects can be caused by this, but, you know, West Nile, you know. Even doses of PBO that did not cause that problem, associated facial abnormalities were found to cause subtle neuroanatomical defects for which the cognitive or behavior consequences are unknown. Sure sounds safe to me. 
We'll still study it while we spray it around your house. An an uh, epidemiology study found that PBO exposure was correlated with dose-dependent reductions in neurocognitive neurocognitive development in three-year-old children. So they've done a study and found that it does have an effect on neurocognitive development of children, but we're still using it. Then you overlap that with fluoride and everything else that they pretend is not a problem, and they know that it is, and it seems like a choice, doesn't it? PBO is moderately to highly toxic to aquatic invertebrates, such as water fleas and shrimp. At lower, long-term doses, water flea reproduction was affected. Yeah, it has effects on your reproduction, just like anything else. PBO is highly toxic to amphibians and tadpole stage. So going forward, keep out of reach of children. It says on the same discussion, this is the same page still for duet. Hazard to humans and domestic animals in all capitals. Precautionary statements. Hazards to humans and animals. Caution. They're literally spraying this over your head. Remove and wash contaminated clothes before reuse. Handlers must wear the following. Long sleeve, shirt, long pants, shoes, socks. Keep and wash your PPE separately from other laundry. Like this, it very clearly indicates that this is stuff not to be messed with. Discard clothing and other absorbent material that have been drenched or heavily contaminated with the product's concentrate. Do not reuse them. So sure, it says concentrate, but what about things that are out in the yard? There's still an overlapping effect there. Immediately call a poison control center or doctor. Do not induce vomiting unless told to do so by a poison control center or doctor. If swallowed, contains petroleum dissolates, which is why it causes aspiration pneumonia. Very strange. Same thing here. Listed three times. So this is under uh, transport information. So when they transport this, right, they list it as environmentally hazardous substance. They're spraying this in the environment. Now, I get concentrate large amounts. My point is simply the same. That's what this is. It's an environmentally hazardous substance. We can prove that. It's killing all sorts of animals. It's causing all sorts of reproductive problems. It's, I mean, it's not only thing it seems to be, they tell you it's doing, is killing mosquitoes, and it's not even doing that. In fact, it's making them come back stronger. And that's not the GM mosquito. That's the other, they're both sides of this conversation are seemingly making it worse. How do you think that's an accident? They're either that ridiculously bad at what they do, which is certainly possible, or they're just doing it on purpose. But so same thing, listed three different ways and different types of shipping. Environmentally hazardous substance. Down here it says OSHA hazard communication standard. So as of OSHA's documents and their rating system, the product is a hazardous chemical, which guys, you know this. My point is simply to point out, like the news comes out and goes, if you're sensitive to pesticides, we laughed about that in the last show. You don't need to be sensitive to a hazardous chemical to have a dangerous effect. Disclaimer of liability. The information in this SDS was obtained from sources we believe to be reliable. However, the information is provided without any warranty, expressed or implied, regarding its correctness. The conditions or methods of handling, storage, use, or disposal of the product are beyond our control and maybe beyond our knowledge. I can't believe they're saying that. For this and other reasons, we do not assume responsibility and expressly disclaim liability for loss, damage, or or expense arising out of or in any way connected with the handling, storage, use, or disposal of the product. This SDS was prepared 
as is to be used only for this product. If the product is used as a component of another product, it may not be applicable and so on. All right, so this, in any case, I, I was making, see who, you know, listed, who, you know, conducted this ultimately. I believe this was them, they're, they're conducting it, but the point is simply the same. What you're basically saying here is, you know, it could be right, but we don't know for sure, and we can't, we can't confirm. So that probably means, in my opinion, you know where I would think, it probably means that they're able to downplay like crazy in this conversation. Finally, under federal, uh, other federal regulations, immediate acute health hazard. So under these classifications, they're telling you that this substance has an immediate and acute health hazard. And they're spraying it over your family. And then this product contains the following chemicals subject to reporting requirements of the Superfund Amendments and Reauthorization Act of 1986. Well, Superfund sites are the highly contaminated sites. I just find that an interesting overlap. And then, of course, it lists the two chemicals that are in there, like we told you. And down here again, OSHA Hazard Communication Standard. It's a hazardous chemical. Just make sure you saw it again. So, guys. They're spraying this over your family if you didn't get that. <laughs> if you didn't get that the 47 times. Now, just one last point on this from the EPA's own website. Now, I yes, this is, I think, largely in, in the context of spraying over crops, like with airplanes. But nonetheless, just hear what this says. Introduction to pesticide drift. And then realize, by the way, that what they're showing you in this discussion is that they already admitted that this stuff does not do what they say. It causes health effects. It, it goes beyond. It, 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 it may remain beyond where they say it does. That it actually kills the things that kill the mosquitoes. It increases their resistance to it. And ends up in the waterways. Everything they say that it shouldn't ever be doing. And that it, they say it won't ever do. My point is EPA says. In regard to pesticide drift. Pesticide spray drift is the, is the movement of pesticide dust or droplets through the air at the time of application or soon after to any site other than the area intended. So it's a common factor. It's weird they lie about these things, right? Pesticide droplets are produced uh, down here. It says pesticide drift of sprays or dust can affect people's health and the environment. Pesticide drift can pose health risks when sprays and dust are carried by the wind in other areas. I mean, this is a very basic thing. I'm just simply pointing out that they act like that doesn't happen over here. And when they say that, it's because they're literally spraying this over a very highly populated area. So it's going to get in places it shouldn't. Specifically, as we showed you with the first last two, they're like, do not get it in the waterways. I mean, there are drains at every street side. And they don't care. I just think it's really important that we reflect on all this and realize what's actually happening in so many other angles of this. Not just pesticides, but everything that we're being you know, the glyphosate, the dioxins, the PFAS, the atrazine, the benzene, all these things that we can prove they've known for decades are really dangerous. And yet somehow or right now, like today, being added to your sunscreen, your children's toys, uh, the glyphosate in your water, the things they're putting in there, like um, the water in, in in Tennessee right now that I'm drinking or not. In fact, I have a, a reverse osmosis filter, as you all should find if you can. But when you use the the faucet it, it smells overwhelmingly of chlorine that's not safe <laughs> i mean it's just all these things it's incredible what they do but other parts let's finish they're not finished but latter half of the show today i just want to go over some points that i think are important just to overlap the things that we have been breaking down since the very beginning of the covid conversation a great article from life site news 
47 studies confirm ineffectiveness. I would, I would argue, I would just say more aptly that they're, they confirm the not statistically significant effect of masks for COVID or any illness of the same micron size. And 32 more confirm their negative health effects. It shouldn't be shocking to you. It's a very easily understood fact unless you're listening to the narrative. And every, almost everything before this showed you the same. Even Fauci admitted at the beginning. And then this brief moment where they lied to you aggressively about it. And now they're, I mean, and then they got to a point where they seemingly admitted it all. And now they're just telling you to wear them again. It's just, it's like, it's like what Gavin talked about in regard to the Cindy, uh, uh, Alice in Wonderland effect. It's almost like almost meant to be un, un, not understandable. Just ludicrous to where you just get uncomfortably out of sync with everything. It's very weird. But the point is, they don't work in the way they tell you they do. And they're hurting you guys in a thousand ways. And I'm not going to go into it deep today because I've done it so many times in the past. But a lot of ask your local dentist and they will tell you. Interestingly enough on this, you might have seen Kelly Victory MD points out. First, the FDA surreptitiously announces that ivermectin can be prescribed for COVID when it wasn't really an announcement. They were on the record in a court hearing, which I played for you, where they were forced to admit that, yes, doctors can prescribe it. And then, you know, it's, it was a big. Actually, we talked about it right here. Watch this. So we go over it in depth. FDA claims it cannot be held accountable for misinfo, which I found actually more, almost more important. They literally claim they can't be held accountable if they get if they're wrong, more aptly if they're lying, because it wasn't about how they got there. The point was, if we're in, if what we say is wrong, we can't be held accountable for that. It's like, that's incredible. The point, the Mayo Clinic is tacitly endorsing hydroxychloroquine. It's right here. Hydroxychloroquine says it right here. May also be used to treat coronavirus COVID-19. I mean, how is that even possible? Like, what a cowardly move to just quietly add this, even though people were screaming fake news, misinformation, dangerous misinformation, and pushing remdesivir that killed 53% of the people in the Ebola trial. It's unbelievable. And that's Fauci, yet again, pushing that as deliberate. But here we are. And realize, guys, that even the even the, the uh, retroactive admission still means that they broke the law when it comes to their emergency use authorizations because you had viable treatment alternatives. And, I mean, even right now you do, and they're still using an EUA. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Not, this is rampantly lawless. It always has been. Which, by the way, I'm looking forward to playing the David Martin interview tomorrow because that's a, kind of the crux of the whole damn point. They are a criminal organization. Take your pick. I mean, I'll, I mean every one of them. Now, in regard to the, the injection conversation, a bunch of points that I want to include that I think are important. So first, we'll start off with this clip. I, one thing I want to show you is that I think it's interesting. There's a lot of these people that, that uh, Vinay Prasad, for example, who is somebody who, you know, I, I don't know, I, it's hard to know for sure these days, strikes me as somebody who, who wants to get to the truth, who seems obje- uh, trying to be objective about it, but still has too much cr- uh, reverence for the, the system and certain people, like still seems to say that they have an effect for some people when I think objectively, I mean, objectively, you could prove that's false. It's just staggering that anybody can still have that line, but maybe they're just trying to kind of balance between their normie audience. I don't know. My point, though, that this and a few other clips we're going to show you, it's interesting that even the people that are, I guess, arguably on like that middle ground, sort of on their side of the argument, like Dr. Paul Offit, for example, who will tell you he won't take it, but people should. Like, that's, that's what I mean. Kind of straddling that argument. It shows you that even they are 
challenging the core narrative. What he says here in this video is that Dr. Jaw is spreading misinformation. That's his words to sell the booster. I mean, that's a pretty, that's a big deal. And it's being pointed out almost by everybody. That's where we are right now, guys. That is a win if I've ever seen one. That is you making this happen by being relentless with the information. Even people like Vinny Prasad earlier were like, like Dr. Drew, for example, were saying, wear your mask, get the injection. It's all safe and effective. And they're, now they're changing their tune. Good. Maybe it's honest. I don't know. I don't really know how anybody could have, you know, I look, I think it speaks to either their unwillingness to look because we saw it and it proved it really early with the information that the same information they're now pointing at to justify their stance was there in the beginning because we showed you. So I just don't know Was someone like you, for example, was he choosing to ignore that because of the same reasons we pointed out? Was he unable to see it? Just, I don't know, consider all those things. I'm glad they're pointing at these things today, but that's a pretty interesting point when you think about it. How we all were able to see it. Where were they? Were they, you know, is it? And, and I'll use that same point to question whether they're maybe not really in this position for honest things right now. I mean that in regard to Drew specifically, but the point is in this case, he's going to tell you a couple things about this. I just want to play just first is just the general point that he's calling this out. But let's listen to a little bit of the video. Welcome back to the channel. Today, I'm going to talk about Ashish Jha. He was the former White House COVID czar. He was in charge of the COVID response. He's the dean of public health at Brown University. He's been on Good Morning America, and he's spreading misinformation about the fall COVID-19 booster. This is part of a... They all are. And quite frankly, I would say Vinay is if he says these are effective for anybody at all, ever. Campaign to get people to take it. But many of the things he says are... Un I'd actually correct that and say specifically that they're safe for anybody, ever. I still dispute that they're even effective in the context that I don't think they've even proven that the antibody response they get is even correlated to actual benefit. I've shown you that clip a million times. They've never proved they you know, we see the response. We just can't correlate the exact benefit. They just go because look at the world. We can tell that's not science. That's observation. And even then you can see that they've been manipulated. So my point in the efficacy, I challenge that too, quite frankly. But my point is that the side effects, the effects of this thing, the deadly side effects, wildly outweigh any minor benefit you may say is there so it's a net harm so there is no benefit is the point unproven and in the absence of evidence to support them i don't think a scientist should ever say that i think that's untrue and he should not be saying such misleading statements we're going to talk about that but first we're going to unpack a little bit the fall booster campaign in the united states now the united states is different than other nations i've now seen germany sweden denmark United Kingdom and Australia, none of these nations are aggressively pushing the COVID-19 fall booster in younger age groups. They either restrict it to above 65, above 50, or people at younger ages who have a, some other reason why you might consider giving them the vaccine. They're immunocompromised or they live with someone who's immunocompromised, etc. But nobody has a policy like the United States where we're going to universally recommend the fall COVID-19 booster to anybody six months of age and up. You know why that's so alarming? One, it shows you how completely out of touch the U.S. government is. They still somehow absurdly believe that people look at them like they're somehow the leader, right? So even though literally nobody else came to this conclusion, everyone's going, well, that doesn't make sense. They shouldn't be recommended for children. And most of them are actually omit, making, avoiding that. And the U.S. government comes out and goes, everybody, all of them, it's good. Because I'm, I'm going to argue that, that in their mind, it's well, because we are the, you know, that they would feel that if they did it, others would follow suit. People don't look at them that way anymore. If they have for, haven't for a long time. 
So it just shows you how kind of anti the even the the scientific consensus of the other countries, which in my opinion isn't even about the science. But regardless, that's the presentation. That's the presentation. All these other allies of theirs have a completely different perspective, and yet the U.S. government just goes everybody. <laughs> I mean, that's that's belligerent. That's pretty reckless. The other thing that's pretty reckless about the United States policy is it doesn't matter how many times you've already had COVID-19. A 20-year-old man who's received three prior vaccinations and had COVID two times in the past is still advised to get the fall COVID-19 booster. And that's not science, guys. That's irrational. That's anti-science. That's the most unscientific thing of this entire discussion. That's an agenda on the surface. This is really a very aggressive and outlier position that's not on par with peer nations and appears to be, in my opinion, deeply problematic. It's medically problematic. There are many levels. Of so I want to jump ahead to uh, seven here and play this one part where he talks about jaw and then we'll keep going. Your old man who's had COVID not to get this shot. I would not do it myself. Of course, I'm not going to do it myself. I think it's absolutely crazy. And certainly it shouldn't have even been debuted without randomized data. We can't just keep giving Pfizer money and accepting the standard. See, see, you get, you see what I'm saying? Like, he strikes me as somebody who really does believe this and is really challenging this. I just, again, I just don't, I don't understand why anybody intelligent can, not, can look at all of this objectively and not realize how obviously, I mean, you have science from British Medical Journal calling it a net harm. It's not even hard to see. There's peer-reviewed level science actively calling it this. I, I don't, I just don't understand. But to me, it seems like he really does kind of break this down. But I worry that there's this kind of new straddling the line kind of category where it convinces some people to still do it. And I just wonder if maybe that's the point. I'm not saying that's what I think he is. I just outwardly wonder if that is something that is happening. Okay, we can talk about comparisons to flu. I've written about this extensively on Vinay Prasad's observations and thoughts. I think if anything, flu could have better data. But let's listen to Ashish Jha. He goes on Good Morning America. And let's listen to the things he says about the fall booster. Let's fact check him, okay? Yep, so let me lies. play you the first clip. But this is a new shot. Tell us about this new one and what it responds to. Which is it? Is it for a particular variant? Is it for the original COVID? God, that guy just, I shouldn't say personal opinions and so on, but it just, you know, it just does not give me a feel like just the way he's body language. You know, I mean, the, the, you know, I've, we've said it before. These things do have, a, they matter, right? I mean, there are people that study these things. Just everything about his body, his motion, the way he's rapidly nodding his head, something just feels off. I'll let you guys decide for yourself will further floor a risk that more you modify the heart muscle at long term long term Oops, sorry about that i went too far and i've written about this let's listen wow I went way too far which is it is it for a particular variant is it for the original covid yeah. why do we need to get it yeah so first of all thrilled to be back thrilled um, to be back you always look is. every year we update our flu vaccine to match the flu strain that's circulating we're starting to do the same thing with covid shots now Obviously, he's conflating the idea for the average person, not conflating, actually hiding the idea that this is not even remotely the same shot. It soon will be. They're very they're already working on mRNA flu shots, universal flu shots, fair nanoparticle universal flu shots, tri flu, or, you know, COVID RSV flu shot combination. They're all working. There's like 30 different mRNA shots coming out. My point is that he's saying that because he hopes the average person doesn't understand that this is not the same technology. So there are new strains of COVID that are circulating and you need a new shot once a year. I don't call it a booster because, you know, it's just your annual COVID shot at this point. And most people- And that was a fake, remember that? That was fake news. We told you that. And I'm not going to tell you that I knew that was going to happen for sure, but I pointed it to their data. 
I pointed to uh, people like Gottlieb and people like, uh, was it Rick Bright and people like Anthony Fauci who were discussing the universal flu shot. Again, David Martin and I talked about this today where they talked about that before all of this in 2019 at their summit going, we need to increase the, you know, the, up, the, the uptake and uh, the WHO arguing that the entire point of this whole pandemic was to drive the universal shot concept and on and on and on. Right. I mean, th- it's, it's not the, the idea is this is something that has been driving this whole agenda from the very beginning. And I think it's already playing out. I mean, anyway, the point is that this is not something you can just randomly. Oh, anyway, I, 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 there's so many points I can go off on this, right? I, I, I don't want this to be too long today, but the bottom line is that this is already happening. And hold on. What was it? Uh, so first of all, thrilled to be back. Thrilled um, to be back. He always look, is. every year we update our flu vaccine to match the flu strain that's circulating. There's one We're of the, to do the same make. thing with COVID shots now. So there are new strains of COVID that are circulating and you need a new shot. There was one of the points I was going to make there. The universal flu shot was the main point. God, that felt important. In any case, I don't play. Once a year, I don't call it a booster because, you know, it's just your annual COVID shot at this point. And most people should go out and get their annual COVID shot uh, the way they get their. Well, it was, see, it was the conspiracy theory, but I already said that. There was some, sorry, I don't mean to stop it again. There's something else I was going to say. Feels important. But either way, there's so many conspiracy theorists throughout this entire conversation that have absolutely come to pass. They were fake news when we said it in 2020 and are now literally what's happening. And just like uh, there's a new a new Scott Adams, by the way, I didn't bring it up today. But uh, what's his name? Sam Harris comes out and says like the same thing. I called him Scott Adams. Number two, that you're wrong, even though you're right. And we're right, even though we were wrong. And that's the same game because they trusted the right scientists, even though those were the wrong ones. All right. That, that's the kind of ignorant intelligence where they think that because they're smart, they listen to smart people and people play them like that, like a fiddle annual flu shot and it's ma- it matches the strains that are circulating out there right now so that's what he says well there's a difference actually that he's not articulating which is the covid 19 shot matches strains that are already circulating the flu shot tries to match strains that are predicted to circulate that we think they're going to circulate but they're not yet circulating in the northern hemisphere with making a prediction about the future that's one salient difference the next thing now really quickly on that that's an interesting point because remember and I, I bet you this is almost a problem reaction solution level of this. They're already telling you they're going to use artificial intelligence to predict the next variants, right? So now they're going to, like his point is they're pushing this out, even though it's re- like, as Dr. Peter McCullough has already made clear, it's already gone. It's like 3.5% of what's left, if it's even really there, which we should ask. But even like, this is what the arguing from within their, na- within their narrative point. They claim that this is what we need because it's the thing that's happening, but they also claim that it's already gone. So they're pushing out a shot that's already passed like they did with the past numerous times they've done this. So Mike, I'm willing to bet you they're going to come out and say, we need to get further ahead of this. So let's use artificial intelligence to predict the next one before we get there. Kind of seems like the where this is going, right? Is that COVID-19 does not obey the exact same seasonality patterns as influenza. And there's even often a summer spike as well. So it doesn't seem like it's even really there though. Right. We get into the reality of where this stems back to and the all the creations and the patents and everything else. I mean, it seems like a very interesting overlap to recognize that this might not even actually be what we're told it is. And this is something we've been pointing at from the very beginning of all this. The conversations of whether like this gets into the lab leak bioweapon kind of overlap. Right. Or people like Danny Rancourt, who proves to you, mathematically speaking, with the numbers that they didn't need a new thing to make this happen. With the data they had in front of them, the conflation of PIC and 
cycle threshold, PCR test, then you later using the vaccine side effects and get the same thing. You could have lied about this using all of these things, the epidemic that wasn't. We learned about this before from the New York Times. They used the PCR test and it created an entire pandemic of, of whooping cough that didn't even exist. Same thing's happening again, in my opinion anyway, right? So this is where I get worried about us folding this into the usual because I don't think anything about the COVID-19 illusion was usual. Why did we agree to an annual shot? Maybe for somebody who's a chronic nursing home resident, you might need something more aggressive. We still need randomized data to evaluate that claim. I'm just for the sake of time, I'm going to leave it there. Watch the clip. It's interesting. My point is simply that he is challenging many parts of this from people that are kind of in the mainstream, right? Now, if you want to know more about this shot that I hope you will run screaming from, the new XBB15 COVID injection has all the same issues as the previous dangerous shots with even less data. You can watch that. Watch that. There's a lot of good information in there. Here's one of the other ones. Chief Nerd posts two of them. Dr. Paul Offit. Why the CDC's COVID booster campaign differs from many other countries. The same point he was just making. There were a number of other countries that basically argued that for a targeted recommendation, when the ACIP in the United States sat down in the 12th, they never even considered it. it wasn't even an option. The only option was to vaccinate everybody over six months, no matter what. Does that, does that sound like science to you? Or does that sound like dogma or an agenda? It's the same point, guys. My point in this is that this, this is even Paul Offit. I don't trust him. I don't trust any of these people on the side of this that are still pushing this thin, pushing it in many cases. That's what I mean about straddling that line to kind of get you. But overall, what it shows you is that whether honest or not, they didn't want to be in this position. People like you that have been pushing, the, relentlessly trying to show the data have driven them to a point to where even the experts on their side, whether honest or not, are now going, yeah, that's, I don't agree. doesn't look like we should. And then the same thing here, saying that he's not going to get the shot, saying that myocarditis lasts longer than previously thought. Not, not, not actually. It only pre previously thought by the experts. Isn't that strange how the experts keep being the dramatically wrong ones and the people like us that are the observers continually show you? That's like what, what Adams and <laughs> Sam Harris is saying, right? Well, he listened to the right people, even though they're wrong every time. So he's still right. Even though we looked at the data of myocarditis, of other issues, the other vaccine-related issues, or any any overlaps therein from the very beginning of this, and we showed you that it was a serious risk. That's what we got censored on Patreon for, remember? It was a risk, and that anything that you did get, as I pointed out with an NIH study, non-fulament myocarditis, meaning non-serious, can still increase your risk of mortality 26 to 55% in the next 10 years. How is it that I can know that in 2021 and yet they're only still, you see my point? So I don't, I just don't trust it. Last longer than previously thought is sort of a, a like a willful admission to slowly change. Either way, he's saying he's not going to get the shot because he didn't think he's necessary. And my point is the challenge of it all. This is not what we're, so I wonder if this is sort of like the slow transition that's going to come out, but it's not going to be pushed and we'll have to wait and see. But please remain skeptical of all of this because something is shifting. And these things that they're still pushing on children and women and pregnant women and autoimmune people and elderly, which seem to be the ones that take it more than anybody because they don't know any better, are the ones most at risk from this. As Daily Clout releases, 46 pages of FOIA emails between the CDC leaders, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Collins, and White House, NIH, HHS, show they knew about the vaccine-induced myocarditis and the thrombotic thrombocytopenia, a blood clotting disorder. 
And but you heard that from us, 2021. Not because of the email, but because we knew that. We could prove that they knew. This is just documented evidence that will reach the average person. So it's a, good, it's a good article. Make sure you share this. Daily Cloud. Here is RFK Jr. making a really important point about the whole trust the experts manipulation. And he also mentions important things about 5G and other things. But the real point that, that, I, that I want to send here is for the average person who thinks that trusting the experts is what, on, what smart people do. You know, like a Sam Harris or Scott Adams kind of an argument. Now, you should be hearing and listening to all of them. Question everything does not mean ignore anything. It means entertain all possibilities, but question them all. Trust should not play a factor in this ever. It shouldn't have never, it should have never been playing a factor. His point is that in every circumstance, you will always have experts on both sides of the argument. So this idea that we're supposed to trust anybody, all it does, and I'll just read what I wrote, RFK discusses the dangers of 5G cell phones and the absurdity of the trust the experts mantra that inevitably leads people to ignore the experts they don't agree with and listen to the ones they do. They know that, guys. Their people are being played, as there are typically experts on both sides. Okay, my concern about 5G is that um, the RF radiation from 5G is dangerous. It penetrates, the, it, it disrupts the blood-brain barrier. It also is associated with uh, glioblastomas and other cancers. And it causes a lot of other dramatic health effects. And there are literally thousands and thousands of studies in that. I've litigated on that issue, and I've won in the Federal Court of Appeals. So, you know, you can say it's a conspiracy theory, but the Federal Court of Appeals, you know, I, I also want... Well, isn't that an interesting point? Like overlaps with this pesticide conversation, right? Hundreds of studies. That should be enough. Wins in a court of law. <laughs> Shouldn't that take the day? Right over in the pesticide conversation, same thing. Nothing matters. He still gets called a conspiracy theorist, even though he won in a court of law. That's how broken all of this is. And just wait for the journalist to push back. Uh, can you can you guess what she says after what he proves? <laughs> Won a case on Monsanto and glyphosate that it caught on Hodgkin's lymphoma, and that was called, called a conspiracy theory. Uh, what I've said about 5G is, yeah, it is, uh, it is dangerous. It is, it is underregulated. Other countries regulate it much better than us. Yep. And we need to protect our children. We should not be having these antennas on elementary schools. We should be warning people appropriately, do not put that cell phone next to your head. Because, you know, uh, we're, we're seeing this epidemic now of glioblastomas, and almost all of them are connected to the year that you favor the cell phone with. Oh, you know, there's study after study that shows that, and I'm in litigation on that issue right now. And, you know, if we get a fair trial, we're going to win that litigation as well. But again, you're a lawyer and an activist. You're not a doctor or a scientist. Uh, I mean, what is the purpose of that statement? Is anybody confused about that? I mean, may, may, I mean, the bottom line is, if it was just simply the beginning of the interview to state what the person does, that's one thing. That was meant to counter what he said. But you're not a doctor. Well, what does that have to do with anything in this context? He just told you with his team of scientists and doctors that are working on him with the case that they won the case in a court of law, that there are hundreds of studies. It doesn't matter. Because to this ridiculous corporate journalist, even on News Nation. Well, that's conspiracy theory, and we're supposed to call that conspiracy theory, and that's the way it goes because that's whoever's in her ear, or however you want to look at it. But you're not a doctor. The way he responds is outstanding. Listen, 
We live in a democracy. Kind of laughing at her. We don't have a priesthood here. We don't have high priests who are telling us we're in charge of our own lives and Americans need to do their own research. And, you know, listen, people say trust the experts. That became a mantra during COVID. I brought over 500 cases and almost all of them involved a scientific controversy. My job is to read science, to learn it and to be able to read it critically. And every case I've ever brought, there's an expert on that side and an expert on this side. When I brought them when we brought the Monsanto case, there were three experts from Harvard, Stanford and Yale. And we had three experts from Harvard, Stanford, Yale. And they were saying exactly the opposite thing. Exactly. Oh, you know, saying trust the experts to me makes no sense at all. Trusting the experts is a function of religion and uh, and totalitarianism. It is not a function of democracy. In democracy, we question everybody. You're, you're all, all right. All right. All right. Let's n- enough with the facts and logic. <laughs> it's just, these people are so ridiculous, man. I just can't. It's, it's like it's like she didn't even listen. Right. Like you're just tired of him speaking about the thing that you don't want. You get back to the fake news now. Get back to what the na- the narrative is supposed to be. I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> just it's unbelievable. What he said is one of the most logical things I've ever heard in my life. It's very clear. Anybody with two brain cells to rub together can be like, well, that makes sense. How can you have experts from the exact same schools on the opposite sides of the table, both saying the opposite things, and then say trust the experts? All it means is you trust the side that you like. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm literally even dealing with this. or not, I mean, it's, I'm experiencing a, a version of this in my own life where somebody close to me is, is worried about a, 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 a rabies issue, right? And they're basically wanting to get a, a rabies shot and the end of the day it, it it's what's interesting is most of the doctors have said you don't need it it's not a risk there's no problem but they continue to find want to find somebody who ultimately gives the opinion that allows them to get the shot and i think the point is that we all have an opinion in our minds about what we think we should be doing and then whether subconsciously or however you look at it we end up seeking that opinion out and, and, and this is leaned into by the people that like to keep us at each other's throats. Here's Dr. Peter McCullough. First of all, actually, first of all, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny says, wow, what could have possibly caused this devastating spike in miscarriages? I mean, look at this, guys. It's 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 heartbreaking. And yet what? And look, I mean, funny enough, uh, Derek Rose got a quick little street side interview with Dr. Peter Hotez and just he, he he in 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 one sentence points to Vayers to make his point and then dismisses Vayers when it comes to the side effects. I mean that's a special kind of stupid or criminality. But the end of the day here is that they they use Vayers and everybody uses Vayers. I often point out Doctor uh, what is his name Doctor Rain from the MHRA in in the UK in 2006 to the Guardian said on the record, which is the truth, these are signal systems. Whether it's this or the yellow card system, all they are is signals. We're not meant to prove any of it. The point is that if the signal is high enough, we stop it, which they've done every time until now. And now what do they say? Well, we don't know for sure. Well, you're not supposed to. That's the point. And they know that, guys. They're lying to you. There's everything in the world in front of you to show you that they're not just wrong, but knowingly misleading you. This is, for the podcast, it's, unreal i mean what is that maybe 
3,000 times the amount of last year or of, of you know, pre, pre-pandemic illusion, miscarriages and stillbirths. <laughs> Unreal. I mean, I don't even know how to explain what we're looking at other than they are doing this to people. And then Scotland pretends that they don't even need to look. Dr. Peter McCullough points out Thorpe et al. demonstrated a multifold increased risk of fetal loss with COVID-19 vaccination. This coincides with an increased risk of maternal death as well. About 65% of mothers took the vaccine before or during pregnancy because, you know why? They told them it was safe. Even though we've proven to you repeatedly that they never even tested pregnant women. They lied about it, and they're still lying about it now. Dr. Mandy Cohen, if you can even call her a doctor, is telling them to get both shots at the same time, telling them to get pregnant women because you're at risk. They don't know if it's safe. And in fact, I'm willing to argue at this point that some level they know that it's not and do it anyway. Another peer-reviewed study finding the fake news, apparently. Now, Aussie 17 shares, <clears throat> which I'll, I'll just I'll, you could just include for you to check out. There's those subtitles. This is a, these are German professors that have replicated what Kevin McKernan has proven, DNA contaminations in the mRNA vaccines, they found them exceeding regulatory limits. Just like the, the guy that we played for you, I think it was in Seattle. Same time, another doctor said he did it of his own, in his own lab, proved it. Just like the DNA contamination from the mosquitoes we just talked about, right? Same thing. Well, same, exactly the same thing, but same point. Same general overlap. Rebecca Barnett writes this article giving Kevin... It's, uh, by Kevin McKernan or with him. The new article on the discovery of DNA contamination. Kevin McKernan confirmed this with others. Scientists shocked and alarmed at what's inside the mRNA shots. But it's still being given. I don't know how much more any people need to see. This is this is not for de- up for debate. Like, this is reality. The problem is that people are so on guard against anything that challenges the narrative now. Like, that is a cult, guys. That's not logical. This stuff is dangerous, and not only do we prove it in every, even peer-reviewed science now, the body of peer-reviewed science is showing all the things we're talking about, and they just ignore it. I mean, it's, it's, it's exactly like the pesticide conversation. It's, that's my trying to show you, all of this stuff. And look at, this is how desperate they are. We saw this many times already. In fact, we've, saw, we've seen MIT studies that say the opposite, in fact, right? That people that are pushing back on mass mandate, people that are pushing back on these things, COVID vaccines and so on, are actually more intelligent more scientifically minded that was an mit study but they come up with something clumsy like this studies suggest that smart people were first in line for covid vaccines that's september 8th intelligent people get their covid vaccines much faster suggests a study i mean it's just it's not i mean read it quite frankly it's one of the few times i'll say it's not even worth your time it's embarrassing guys it's embarrassing it's one of these things that starts with a pre- with supposition that we because we know X, Y, and Z. Therefore, you're smart if you do this because they're safe and effective. That's the kind of thing we're seeing here. It says this study suggests that I lack critical thinking because I refused the new experimental vaccine, which has no prior history of use for a quote virus that was previously unknown and a vaccine that was expedited to market with claims of safety and effectiveness without ample long term studies. This was the choice I made when they enforced vaccination mandates and refused to comply, even though I was facing termination from the hospital. Let me know if you're as unintelligent as I am. It's just unbelievable, guys. Smart people first in line. <laughs> like that is screaming desperation. You know what that's going to work on? Dumb people who want to tell themselves they're smart. And finally, in this segment, James Melville points out the same point that 
that was knocking this down in early 2020, right out of the gate. And they go, you don't understand. There's difference in population. The narrow, blah, blah, whatever narrative they were being told that day. But here we are in 2023. You've got two years of data right here from 2020 to 2022. Excess death per million population. Right now seeming to be one of the most obvious examples of vaccination status. The higher the vaccination status, the higher the excess death. I mean, it's striking. (laughs) Correlation is not causation, but yes, that very clearly is a data point that matters. An inconvenient truth, he writes, for some people, Sweden, who rejected lockdowns, masks, and school closures, and then had vaccines, but they weren't forced on anybody, as far as I could tell. Maybe there was a few coercive measures, but it's pretty light overall. People were allowed to make their own choices. It had the lowest overall excess death per capita in those two years. Lowest, guys. The absolute lowest. If you were a country that did the opposite of what they told you to do, and what were they saying? Sweden's going to die. Everyone's going to get sick. And they even made up little false narratives in the middle of it. Look at how bad it's getting. Everyone's hiding it. Well, here we are, guys. Here we are. The lowest per capita excess death out of every other country. <laughs> I mean, it's just embarrassing that they won't admit this. Well, it's not embarrassing. It's, it's criminal. They're, they're trying to avoid jail time, I would argue. Now, as we roll into the WHO you know, probably one of the ways they're trying to solidify their in a, their ability to not go to jail, the loss of sovereignty, the WHO world governance outline. I want to play a clip that was shared by uh, I, I, Inversionism. Oh, that's weird. Usually it's supposed to show it right there. There it is. That's Why does it do that? I mean, is that Twitter hiding Inversionism? That's crazy. If, you, if you're watching, take note of that. You're there and then it just disappears. <laughs> Twitter is a piling, steaming dump right now. Now, it says this, this is an important clip. Listen to Ted Turner 15 years ago on Charlie Rose outlining the growing, quote, human population problem. And he then describes a coming plan that will dramatically change everything. Listen carefully. What, what plan do you think he's talking about 15 years ago? The credit crisis we're in now. You know... I think it's a mess. And why is it a mess? Well, I because I think what happened is people were borrowing too much money on their houses. I, I, well, you know, clearly they're doing that. I don't, my house is paid for. I mean, it has been. I mean, I, I, I don't believe, you know, I think having equity in your home is a good thing. I, I don't believe in spending every penny you have. When I was making $80 a week after taxes were taken out of 20, when I was 21, I saved $10 a week and lived on $70. I mean, I've, I've always saved. I, I believe that was the thing. It was more my father taught me that, too. What's Thanks. possible? Tell me what's it's possible, possible to do. It's possible that in 15 or 20 years we can completely redo it. If we, we have to mobilize, this, this is how important it is and, and how, how, how important that we do it quickly. We have to mobilize the same way we did when we entered World War II in 1941. We have to fully mobilize everything we have and put it into changing the energy system over. And not just... Sound familiar? The energy... Changing the energy system over? Now, you can argue that he's not... That this isn't like an outline plan just yet, but clearly, you can see in the elitist circles, there was already this building concept. We, we already know we need, to re-about, we need to reimagine all of this. We just need to figure out how to trick you into allowing us to do it. Just here in the United States, but all over the world. It's going to be the business, business, biggest. Yeah, all over the world. These are U.S. entities talking about reimagining the entire system around the world 15 years ago. 
changing the energy system over, and not just here in the United States, but all over the world. It's going to be the business, business, biggest business project in the history of the world. It's going to be? So he starts off talking about, you know, what would I imagine? But he said it's going to be the biggest shift. See my point? Yeah, right. Orwell's talking about the good club. There's a lot of these overlaps. The bottom line, though, is that this is, this is somebody who's very clearly tied in, talking about what we're going to do. I find this to be pretty compelling. Well, it's going to be the business, business, biggest business project in the history of the world. Fortunes, billions of dollars are going to be made. Hundreds of thousands of people are going to be employed. We're going to have clean air. We're going to have so many benefits from it. It's not going to cost us anything. Once we get going with it, it's not going to cost us anything. Only the people that don't un- don't understand it think it's going it, it, to. Not doing it will be catastrophic. We'll have eight degrees. We'll be eight degrees hotter in ten, not ten, but in thirty or forty years. And basically, none of the crops will grow. Most of the people will have died, and the rest of us will be cannibals. Civilization. He's clearly bought into the narrative, right? Or he's lying to him. But the point is that you know this is the exact same mantra we're getting today. Weird how the timetable has shifted, though, huh? Eight degrees will be eight degrees hotter in 10, not 10, but in 30 or 40 years. And basically none of the crops will grow. Most of the people will have died and the rest of us will be cannibals. Civilization will have broken down. What The few people that are left will be living in a, in, in a failed state like Somalia or Sudan. And, and living conditions will be intolerable. The droughts will be so bad there'll be no more corn growing. It, it will... The, not doing it is suicide, just like dropping bombs on each other. Nuclear weapons is suicide. So we've got to stop doing the two suicidal things, which are nuclear hanging on and, to our and, nuclear and, weapons. And global and, and then after that, we've got to we've got to stabilize the population. When I was born, no, there were so two, what's wrong with the population? I mean, with too many people. That's what. That's why we have global warming. We have global warming because too many people are using too much stuff. But if there were less people, they'd be using yeah. less but stuff. It, you know. We don't get global warming and the nuclear weapons straight out. We don't have to worry about human rights. Well, all the humans will all be gone. You know. Okay. Do you think we'll do it? I mean, are you? Op- See, now this this is an point to make an argument about how some people may like. Let's just say, for sake of argument, he believes this. You, what he just, what he said right there is really important. That's the kind of rationale you get from the person that thinks you're going to die in a year. So if I have to kill a few people to save the planet, then so be it, right? Oh, don't worry about human rights because if everyone dies, there won't be any human rights. Okay, so that's a way to justify not caring about human rights in now to make sure we have them later, right? Whether he believes it or not, some people believe that. And then it becomes the situation of the greater good, right? This is the game they've always been lesser of evils. It's a trap, guys. I mean, the idea that we should ever ignore someone's rights or l- allow people to die for some larger agreement. I mean, look, there's a debate to be had about that. Kind of, but at the end of the day is it's no one person's choice to make that decision for the rest of humanity. Period. Now, I mean, I would stand that ground, even if that meant ultimately that that would later lead to more cat more catastrophe. I will always stand on the idea of individual rights. Always. It's, it's like a free speech line for me. It's just the reality. Optimistic in the end that, I have, the country, I, that the world will come to its senses. On behalf of my grandchildren and the children all over the world, I absolutely think we got to do it. But I have a way of explaining it very simply. I say the human situation I liken to a baseball game. It's in the seventh inning and we're down by one run. <laughs> well, so we're back to, 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 or right, to the wall. Right, right. 
What we have to do, though, in the next two innings, the game's not over. It's right. still winnable. But what we've got to do is hold them right where they are with our best pitcher. Right. And we've got to get a couple runs on the ball. Get boards. a man on the base. That's, and then get him in. Get him in. And mm -hmm. that ties it. And then another run to go ahead and we win. That's where we are. We're, Super we're in a clumsy tough analogy. situation. But we can play our way out of it if we do the right things. It's time for smart political leaders. No more dummies. We can't afford dumb leadership. Right. So, so let, let's just say, for, again, for argument, right? That he might, or these people in powerful positions might actually argue, well, that's why we have to make sure that the right people get in. So there you go. So they, so they manipulate elections, right? I mean, I'm not saying that's what's happening. I'm just saying at some level, you can see how people in the middle rung can be completely manipulated with even the lies about climate change, whatever else, to act in these ways that suit the higher up agenda, who are vindictive and, and malicious and sinister and don't even care. But people in the middle rung get manipulated because they may care. You see my point? I'm not saying that's what he was. I'm just saying that is something to think about. So here's a couple, a couple of interesting points on this overlap in regard to the sustainable development goals and where this all seems to be going. Now, the whole push is about equality, right? And ending of wars and sustainable development and everybody on the same side, the, the global order and you know whatever else they're all talking about, right? Except it's not even remotely the reality, even within the global order. So here's an interesting point about how you have the global South, as it were, whoever, however you want to frame this, standing up, saying, you know, we support the SDG goals, which I don't support any of this, but saying that they do, but you guys don't care what we think. <laughs> it's a really fascinating point. So what it shows you is that there is a hierarchy even within this system, which is, of course, the case. You think that the United States cares what Russia and Syria and Iran think? They don't. But within all of it, you can see a larger global governance agenda that kind that may actually care. But the U.S. politicians don't, and they're, have, they're outsized in regard to the power that plays out here. So my point is, and more than just the U.S., I'm just using that as the simplest point. It says Russia and allies refuse to support high-level U.N. declarations on health and sustainable development goals, which is not even remotely what's actually being stated here. It's hilarious how these people are, you know, Russia bad guy. They're not helping save the planet. What they actually say is very important. It's just, it says 11 countries have declared that they will not support the adoption of the political declarations of the sustainable development goals, pandemic prevention, preparedness and response, universal health coverage and tuberculosis on the United Nations agenda this week. Although the countries did not raise their objections during the Monday summit, the first in the week series of high level meetings, they declared in a letter, which I'll read to you next to the UN general assembly president, that they, quote, reserve the right to take appropriate action during the subsequent U.N. General Assembly debate and formal vote on the declarations, which must follow the HLM convoctions. Uh, 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 it's weird. So the point is, they're, it's weird how they frame this as they're like, they're not going to do it. And that's not it's just right out of the gate. They're kind of just going, well, we kind of reserve the right to you'll see what you'll see what I mean as we read this. Like they're basically saying that if this does not include our perspectives, then why are we going to go along with it? In their letter to the UN president, Den uh, Dennis Francis, dated Sunday 17th, uh, September 17th, Belarus, Bolivia, Cuba, North Korea, Eritrea, uh, 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 Iran, is that what you, or it's, uh, how do you say that again? One second, let's make sure we get this country right. Eritrea, that's right. I'll say uh, Belarus, Bolivia, 
Cuba, North Korea, Eritrea, Iran, Nicaragua, Russia, Syria, Venezuela, Zimbabwe. You know, what do they all have in common? Heart, it's not hard to miss. They're all the, the bad guys. Or really, they're all victims of, of Western regime change. And that's and, and people that do not toe the line for the most part. Now, you could simply you could argue in addition to that, that there are also people that, well, I guess, save for. No, that yeah, that's just pretty much there's ones that aren't included, but, but overall. Still included in the global picture of the Great Reset mentality and the SDG goals, but it says they alluded to a political stalemate relating to unilateral coercive measures. Isn't that interesting? As the motive for their reservations, they claim they they claim that their objections had been ignored or set aside at various stages of this development of the declarations. I wonder why, because they don't care what they have to say. They're literally going, Russia's going to murder everybody everywhere, but then they're going to take their opinion when it comes to these decisions. It's just, it's very interesting. Unilateral coercive measures are exactly what you would think. Sanctions, just them, the the U.S. government or the U.K. government or people individually deciding, which I've shown, I've said to you for years, are, it's illegal. Sanctions are supposed to be handed down by a, a, a international body like the U.N., votes and decides that these people are going afoul of international law but they just don't even care anymore the u.s just hands out economic sanctions like they're candy and of course russia and china have their own same versions of it they're all breaking the rules but ultimately it all kind of began with the u.s government just sanctioning whoever it wanted because it could even though that's technically illegal here's the actual article or the actual letter it says we have the honor to address you in the capacity as representatives and it lists off all the countries in relation to the unfortunate situation created around the draft political declaration of the Sustainable Development Goals Summit, the high-level meeting on pandemic prevention, preparedness, and response, the high-level meeting on universal health coverage, all these things are terrifying to me. They're all one-world government kind of mindsets, and they're open about that today. I mean, for crying out loud, the, the uh, what was it, Klaus Schwab's World Economic Forum had a summit ta- called the World Governance Summit. I mean, it's very, very clear. And it says, and the high-level meeting at the first uh, fight against tuberculosis, which I find very interesting, as many of us pointed out that there is far more death cases and hospitalization around tuberculosis during the pandemic. But nobody cared about that, even the year before. So I get, I'm get i beginning to see that that might become a, a tactic. And there's an overlap there with HIV. And there's a weird, like that may be the, another thing coming our way. In this regard, it says it is regrettable that it has not been possible to find a political solution to the current stalemate created, not only due to the lack of will of some developed countries to engage in true and meaningful negotiations to have balanced and acceptable outcomes for all, but also due to the lack of transparency and poor handling of your predecessor's team of all these processes. All right, so they're presenting this to the world as we're all on the same page. What you're seeing here is that many of these countries are like, you're not even listening to us. Very interesting, isn't it? It says, as you are aware... The issue of the negative impact of unilateral coercive measures is an existential one for our peoples and for all these countries. A third of the world's population is affected by these illegal measures because they are illegal. A third of the world's population, and yet you're acting like all of this is in line with what all of the governments the world want. There is ample evidence, it continues, including from UN sources, of the heavy toll caused by unilateral coercive measures on targeted countries and their capacities to achieve sustainable development goals. So here's the really interesting part. They're saying, we want to achieve these goals, but because of, let's just take an example, the U.S. sanctions on Syria, 
we're incapable of doing so. Isn't that interesting? So I wonder where this goes, where if the World Economic Forum level or the WHO, they suddenly go, U.S. government, stop doing that. Stop the wars. Stop these things you're doing for petty, personal power reasons because we want to achieve these goals. Now, I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just as terrified of where the world governance side of this goes. But let's realize that a lot of these actions, specifically what's going on, I think, in the wars and different things are largely U.S. government, Western agendas that don't necessarily overlap with the larger game. Maybe they could. I do see a lot of overlap in the the biolabs, in the uh, actions that were carried out because of Russia's war, the agriculture, and so on. My point is just simply to say that it's interesting, the arguments being made, that they can't achieve the larger goal because of what they're doing in the meantime. Sanctions, occupation, war. Regardless of these facts, we have engaged in the negotiations of the draft outcomes in good faith. But does that show you something very interesting, too? That the, the, the belligerent maniacs, the North Koreas, the Russias, are, are engaging in the process as they're being sanctioned, and they're the belligerent ones? <laughs> it's, just, it's hilarious how broken all this is, and how clearly, like the clip I played in the beginning, how clearly who the real bad guys of the situation truly are. That does not mean that there's even a good guy here. I'm just simply pointing out, we can see with clear as clear as anything I've ever seen that the people who are the true villains of this whole stage are the very people acting like the good guys. It says, uh, in, in order to reach our consensus, since the beginning of these processes, we have insisted on the need to include our concerns in these important political documents on the basis of consensual language as reflected in paragraph 30. So again, they're talking about equitable and fair. And they're like, screw you. We don't care about including your things though. <laughs> it's like, it's so inherently contradictory and hypocritical which is everything they do, it seems. As reflected in paragraph 30 of the 2030 Agenda and Sustainable Development, this request has been echoed by a large number of delegations, including from the group of the 77 and China, and from the group of Friends of Defense and the UN Charter, among others. Of course, the people that think they're the evil villains are you know, just ignoring what they have to say and acting like we, they're going to trick us if we listen to them. But they're included, and it's all equitable, though. The legitimate concerns of a large number of developing countries have been ignored, it says. Hence, it is our duty to express our strong concerns on the unacceptable way in which this is in this situation unfolded, running in clear contradiction with the spirit of multi uh, multilateralism and the overall goal of leaving no one behind. All these things they scream about and then actively it's about you see the point. It's about you doing these things, you acting a certain way, not them. Right, they're the ones that own everything. You own nothing and you're supposed to be happy. They own everything. They're the ones in that special position. So they don't care about actually doing these things and what's being called out here, maybe in a political, you know, a very savvy political move here, kind of putting this out in the public. It says, first, there has been no real willingness from a small group of developed countries to engage in meaningful negotiations to find compromises, forcing unfair practices which pretend to impose a kind of veto on certain issues and pretending to even prevent their discussion within a framework of intergovernmental negotiations. Second, in some cases, negotiations were not conducted in a true, inclusive, fair, and balanced way. Shocking. <laughs> Our delegations had to witness how, in some cases, even single delegations were accommodated a great deal in their concerns, while others' priorities, including ours, were bluntly neglected. For example, the draft outcome of the high-level political form of sustainable development under the auspices of the General Assembly 
the SGG summits was reopened with the purpose of exclusively accommodating the priorities of a few delegations from developed nations while in this very same process and in the three health-related negotiations, nothing was done to reflect and accommodate the legitimate concerns of delegations from developing countries that, in addition, had broken silence repeatedly, including the group of 77 in China. Basically, just, you know, the people that are not part of the Western, you know, the world, the, the modern world, they frame and then all the bad guys are part of the other side, even though most of them are more technologically advanced than everybody in the modern world. And it says, fourth, oh, uh, it says, third, the attempt to ignore formal communications of delegations from the developing countries, including from the group 77 in China, on behalf of its 134 member states, indicating strong reservations and objections. Fourth, the attempt to force consensus by your predecessor's team and now by your office, when it is evident that no consensus has been reached on any of these processes, so lying to the public, as well as the, the lack of transparency, inclusiveness, and efficient use of the limited time available, then to find compromises. So they're hypocrites across the board. Last page, I might as well finish it. Our delegations are convinced that this is no way to handle multilateral and intergovernmental negotiations on issues of great relevance for the international community, particularly for developing countries, which kind of, quite frankly, don't think they're even trying to accomplish. It's kind of a ruse. Thus, we would like to put on record that we do not condone nor accept this practice and that it does not set any precedent for the work of the United Nations and General Assembly. This is practical particularly relevant as we look forward to future negotiation processes on fundamental matters in which we will continue to engage with great determination. It's kind of, I wonder why that's what shows me that there is more of a larger thing. I mean, why would these groups even be a part of this if they're just being kicked to the side? Our delegations would also like to recall the nature and legal standing of the meetings in which the SGE summits, the high level meetings on pan, uh, the you know, pandemic preparedness will take place. In relation to the high-level political forum, let me see, I think that's ultimately it. Yeah, so I mean, the delegations oppose any attempt to pretend to formally adopt any... Okay, so this last part's important. So after all they've said, in all this sense, the delegations oppose any attempt to pretend to formally adopt any of the draft outcome documents in question during the meeting scheduled for the 18th, 20th, 21st, 22nd of September. So these all just happened, respectively. In addition... We reserve the right to take appropriate action upon the formal consideration of these four draft outcomes documents in the coming weeks after the conclusion of the high level segment of the 78th session of the General Assembly, when they all when they must all be considered by the General Assembly in accordance with the rules of procedure. So it, what they're saying is if they come out and go, we all agreed, they're going to say we oppose an attempt to pretend to formally adopt these because we're not all in, in, in agreement. That's how I would take that. It says, in that spirit and the interest of transparency, we respectfully request hereby your good offices for circulating as soon as possible this letter as an official document of the assembly, which I don't think actually happened. I saw this because of this article. Did you see the corporate media talk about this? Did you see the WHO or the UN make a big grand statement like they do about it? No, <laughs> I don't think they care, quite frankly, which says a lot directly to Antonio Guterres. Very interesting, isn't it? Well, here's Bill Gates speaking about this kind of very same thing. I believe we should spend a lot of money on climate change. I believe, he says, not me, he, he said, I believe we should have very high carbon taxes. Exactly. The, the conspiracy theory we're all telling you is coming. The political realities are such that without innovation, it's unlikely 
particularly in middle income countries, you know, the ones that are pointing out over here saying you're all the bad guys and we're not counting what you have to say, that brute force approach will be successful. See, what they're saying is ultimately they're not listening to us. And I think the point that people like this are that we're just going to make it happen, you know, for the greater good of society, or that's what they say anyway, forcing other countries to do what they want. Very heterogeneous group of companies. Uh, some, you know, work in renewable energy. Some provide R&D dollars uh, to things like biofuels that uh, could be an important substitute. There's no doubt today that if you tried to make uh, hydrocarbons illegal, that the voters would rebel against that. They like driving to work. Uh, there's a variety of practical things. And, you know, so it is, there is a demand there. The ideal is that you set a carbon tax that's the same size as what it takes to do direct air capture. And so, uh, you know, and, but that would mean that, you know, the cost of cement and gasoline and air travel would be dramatically higher right. uh, because we haven't innovated in those space. We have gigantic green premiums. Uh, and whenever voters are tested, like in France, you put on a diesel tax. Well, they say, oh, those people in the city are richer than me. They somehow should pay for this. In Germany, when you say, okay, we're going to make you buy electric heat pumps, they, they back off from it. So these... If you try to do climate things brute force, uh, you know, you'll sometimes get people say, hey, uh, I like climate, I'm, I'm for climate, but uh, I don't want to bear, bear that cost and reduce, reduce my standard of living. Mm -hmm. You know, I believe we should spend a lot of money on climate change. I believe we should have very high carbon taxes. The pro political realities are such that without innovation, it's unlikely, particularly in middle-income countries, that, that the brute force approach will, will be successful. <laughs> Fantastic. So either way, either way, he's talking about either forcing it on them or kind of manipulating the situation forward. You know, for the greater good of society, which is clearly, in my opinion, not the truth. Well, Derek, by the way, who also discusses the greater reset, if you want an alternative of other choices that could be made, even though they pretend the only path forward is what they outline, the greater reset goes in the other direction. Right, a more natural, holistic, world-embracing concept. But he also, if you want to check that out, look up The Greater Reset if you want to check it out. But he recently wrote about this. The United Nations marks the halfway point to Agenda 2030 with Sustainable Development Goals Summit, where essentially they outline the fact that, you know, that we haven't, we're, we're not meeting the goals. We need to push harder and so on and so on. So the point is, we are having an effect, and I think that they're worried about what they're trying to accomplish with this. And I, It should be our choice. It should not be a, a, a choice of a group of wealthy elitists to decide what the rest of the planet should do. Ever. Now, this is an interesting clip. Sprinter points this out. Address, address, ad, ad, address by the Colombian president, Gustavo Petro, to the world of the golden billion from the rostrum of the UN General Assembly. Now, this is an important, uh, you know, I, I think it was, uh, oh, you know what? Yeah, it is. I'll just read it for you. It's in it's in another language and it's the subtitles. But so he says they forgot that our countries have been repeatedly invaded by the again same context, right? This is at the UN, the same meeting. We saw a lot of people speak from the UN General Assembly. These are the same people. Like we just saw this letter. They're saying, "Oh, it's equitable," and and, and we're fighting for everybody, even though they're not listening to any of these people, right? And this includes the person about to talk here. 
They forget that our countries have been repeatedly invaded by the very people who now talk so much about countering invasions. Right? This, is, this overlaps with the Zelensky and Russia side of it, but it's the same general conversation. They forget that they invaded Iraq, Syria, and Libya for oil. Naming the reasons why they need to come to the defense of Zelensky, they forget that for the reason, same reasons it is necessary to come to the defense of Palestine. Oops. Hypocrisy. But we all ignore it, or the people in positions of power anyway. They forget that to achieve the UN Sustainable Development Goals, it is necessary to end all wars. But at the same time, they do not allow one of them to end because it suits them. This is their Game of Thrones. This is their Hunger Games. They didn't have $100 billion to protect countries from floods, storms, and hurricanes, but they immediately allocate this money to ensure that Russians and Ukrainians kill each other. See the point, guys? The world is not stupid. They see this. And people lie about it. The the talking heads in the news scream to the very few people that still listen to them and pretend like everybody's on the same page. That's what this is, too. We all agree. It's all equitable. And we're all marching in together in unison for the betterment of the world. They're going, nobody's listening to us. 77 countries. No one's paying attention, guys. You're all lying to everybody. So this is a positive in my mind, guys. The people see through it. That's what we have to lean into to the other countries, other perspectives, and recognize that the peoples of our countries are more powerful than the very small percentage of people that pretend they rule over all of us. And I never mean violence. I simply mean that we are the ones that make these decisions. We just have to recognize that. And they're lying about all of it. Now, on that note, to finish on some foreign policy, which again, I have so many different directions we can go in. I'm just going to focus today on the ending of of some Ukraine overlap, but starting with the point that overlaps with this very conversation. Now, I was going to get into that the the cutting down trees and burying them point. I'm going to do that soon. I have that saved. Because that does kind of overlap to this. It doesn't make any sense. But just to focus on this one part, but I wanted to make keep that in your mind. There's a lot of these actions that are like counterintuitive to the very idea of even removing carbon, which is not even saying we need to do, but they're, they're cutting down forests, arguably to save, to stop climate change. It's counterintuitive. But here we have an example of something that will probably blow your mind in many different ways. That they are telling, they are stopping people from farming. They are closing organic farms. They are reducing agriculture. They're shutting down water and not allowing people to even water the crops they do have. And, and look, just looking over the, the Dutch farmers conversation, it's egregious. But in the UK, it's happening all over the world. Why? Because, you know, because Putin or whatever dumb argument they make, but they are hurting individual people. In the meantime, let's just take an American example. As they just shut down your organic farm, They're taking your tax dollars and making farming boom in the Ukraine or, you know, increase. How do you make sense of that? 60 Minutes discovered the U.S. is financing more than weapons in Ukraine. They're buying seeds, fertilizer for farmers. They take from your farm. They take your money and buy these things for new for Ukrainians in Ukraine. Paying the salaries even of 57,000 first responders while people can't find jobs in this country. I mean, look, there's, I mean, I don't, look, I'm not even trying to pretend like I feel like this is, why is this anybody's responsibility other than Ukraine? I don't even care if you think that, that everything they said is true. Oh my God, Russia did this and they're, they're the actual Nazis and they're going to take over the world and they hate Ukrainians. Okay, fine. That's not the truth. But still, even in that circumstance, why is it an American's problem to pay for their first responders? This, this altruistic, more, this false altruistic narrative that they could care less about these people, first of all, 
But even if they did, like that's still not a logical argument to hurt this country and individual people to benefit somebody else on the other side of the world. Like that may sound cruel to you. I'm not saying I, in, I my point is it's individual choices. I care. And it's my choice if I want to send something to help those people, not the government's for you. It's just kind of crazy that we're even in this position. Not, and then the real point on top of all of it is the U.S. government verifiably doesn't give an S about these people. Continues to show you that. And I'll read something next that will prove that to you right out of Lindsey Graham's mouth. But first, let's listen to their news clip about it. American taxpayers are financing more than just weapons. We discovered the U.S. government's buying seeds and fertilizer for Ukrainian farmers and covering the salaries of Ukraine's first responders, all 57,000 of them. That includes... Right, right. While firing first responders in this country, right? The same overlap. The timing is there, right? While they were firing first responders, military, nurses, doctors, science, because of the COVID, they were giving them money for their salaries includes the team that trains this rescue dog named Joy to comb through the wreckage of Russian strikes looking for survivors. Of course, this entire thing from the article I'll show you next is, is completely about the idea of, you know, we're the good guys fighting against the bad guy Russians. I mean, it's very dripping with that, by the way. And the U.S. also funds the divers who we saw clearing unexploded ammunition from the country's rivers. Yeah, as the government of the Ukraine dumps these mines all over the water, which we've proven, which they've admitted to, because, you know, bad guy Russia. Like, on the record, they said they did that because Russia. Now they act like they're the ones removing them because Russia. It's just, it's that stupid, guys. And it's easy to prove. It's right in the corporate media articles that later say the opposite. It's stupid. So this is this is nonsense. I mean, this is straight up... I mean, whether this is the 60 Minutes making this up or they just got here, well, we'll take you on a tour. I think of how dumb it is they make fun of somebody who goes to like North Korea and they act like you're just following along with your handler or in Syria. And they do the exact same thing here with somebody who shows them what they want them to see and they act, and they don't even question it because that's what they're supposed to do. To make them safe again for swimming and fishing. Russia's invasion shrank Ukraine's economy by about a third. We were surprised to find that to keep it afloat. What they shrank their economy with was what they did to themselves. If you're going to pretend that the occupation of a small territory, which later became more because of the way that this went forward, because of what they were doing, because of the justification, because of the continued bombing within Russia all the way into Moscow, because of the continued assassinations, because of the ethnic cleansing in Donbass and everything they tried to do, blowing up the bridge around Crimea. I mean, it's, it's the stupidest thing in the world. And I'm not even saying Russia good guy. I say I'm just simply pointing out the obvious facts, the objective reality. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just so hard to be honest about this because people have so many political motivations in all of this. Economy by about a third. And their own actions continued to destroy their own economy. In a thousand different ways that they were not interested in anything other than their agenda. Again. What's hilarious about this is they act like we're buying some kind of Russian propaganda. I've shown you their own videos from their own government saying the exact things about what they want to do, spreading the white race around the white race around the world, talking about how what the U.S. says about them is not true. And we're here for the weapons. I mean, it's on the record, guys. You just have these mindless followers on Twitter that just don't care. And if they see it, the challenge, they go, that must be fake and don't even try to check. But then they listen to a fact check that ignores everything and points at a Facebook post because they're smart.
We were surprised to find that to keep it afloat, the U.S. government is subsidizing small businesses. Right. So they're paying for small businesses. They're paying for seeds, farms, and agriculture. They're paying for first responders while you can't feed your family. Does that make sense? Let's 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 read the article. This was on the twenty fourth yesterday. The U.S. has spent more than seventy billion dollars worth of aid to Ukraine. Sent, excuse me. Since you know, this is military. I don't believe for a second that any of this is going to anything other than the military. Since Russian troops crossed its border last year. Now, you can argue that's like food for the military, but that's still for the war, guys. That's what we're talking about. This is not for individuals in Ukraine. $70 billion. But a battle is brewing in Washington. You know why? Because Biden wants another, another $20 billion. He just requested another $20 billion. I mean, it's obscene. This is far past. This is comical at this point, if it wasn't so alarming. It says the U.S. has sent 186 Bradleys here, each individually at a cost of about $2 million apiece. Frankly, I find that to be money laundering in and of itself, quite honestly. The idea that we could pretend that's even what they cost. But ultimately, think about that for a second. I'm not even trying to discuss whether they are necessary, whether they need them for the war. Just think about you as an American. Do you Think about what $2 million could do for your family, for your county. For your state, for that matter. $2 million, then times by 186. And that's just one thing. Bradley's, that's it. That's not getting into everything else they're doing. $2 million a piece. It's just, it's just obscene. And again, we're not even getting into what these groups are. I'm not talking about the individual Ukrainians, because it's a, it's a mix, like it is anywhere. But the military, they're neo-Nazis. It's very obvious, guys, and it's provable because even the corporate media was calling it out before Russia invaded. It's just that stupid. And I'm not even going to get into the whole topic because it'll drive me into another conversation. But the idea is that this was a manufactured reality because it was all meant to create this illusion to be blamed on people in this country to lie to tie it back to Russia. You know, the story we've been telling you for the last three years that Luma broke three seconds ago. It's all there and we've been covering it for a long time. But the point is that it's a lie. We're being lied to. In the context of, you know, Russia, bad guy, they're the Nazis, and we're fighting for freedom. It's They've been funding this Operation Aerodynamic, excuse me, Project Aerodynamic, for decades. He says, if you think about it, General Ben Hodges says this, if you think about it, Russia has been for decades and still is an existential threat for Europe. Is it now? And the United States, he says. Give me an example. I would love to see somebody give me an example, not a narrative about, you know, wink, wink. Here's what it doesn't look. It doesn't look like it, but here's what actually happened because they told us secretly intelligence. No, and and an obvious, you know, like when the U.S. government invaded Syria or when, I don't know, the U.S. government invaded Libya or I don't know when the U.S. government invaded Afghanistan or I don't know when the U.S. government, you know, I can go on for the next 45 minutes or I don't know. How about when the U.S. government violated UN mandate fill in the blank or when the US government crossed the the you know we, what not one inch closer or what was the narrative you know the NATO agreement with Russia I mean over and over and over you have an endless example this because they go we did it for freedom we all pretend like things are good or some dumb people do my point is how in the world you could argue that Russia is an existential threat for anybody I'm not saying they're not, you understand? I'm saying based on the the verifiable information in front of us, they're not seemingly doing anything 
in the context of an existential threat, like we're going to invade other countries, which is what they're really trying to say here. He says, I mean, just listen to what their leaders say. <laughs> really? <laughs> look, I'll point out plenty of leaders in Russia that are just as bellicose as what we see in this country. But if you want to understand, look at what Lindsey Graham or any number of people or Trump, for that matter, who have literally threatened assassination, nuclear war. But yeah, they're the weird ones. They're the dangerous ones. He says, look at the thousand nuclear weapons. OK, again. Look at how many the U.S. government has. Neither of them are supposed to have any, and they're all building more. They clearly will keep going if they're not stopped. Well, I don't see any indication of that, right? I don't see how Russia has increased its borders. I don't see how Russia has continued to topple countries under the guise of freedom and done anything. I mean, it's, it's just not even comparable. And, of course, people frame that as pro-Russia. It's just pro-fact. I do not support the Russian government. I don't support the U.S. government. I think they're all to control your lives. I don't want government at all. That's a hard sell for some people. My point is simply that the obvious is in front of you. Holy Williams says, well, Holly Williams says, it sounds like you're, this is the interviewer, sounds like you're saying stopping Putin is Ukraine directly benefits every American. Yeah, did you read that off your note cards? <laughs> what, what person has that, this person says it, Sounds like you're saying that if we don't stop Putin, that, that America's going to be hurt. It's like, you're, you're just such a blind propagandist. You probably don't even realize it. Directly benefits every American. Try to make sense of that. Stopping Putin try, may, is benefited for every American. The only way that would make sense is exactly. Absolutely, he says. This war is about so much more than just Ukraine. And she says, is this a high point for American foreign policy? It will be after. Russia has been defeated. Oh, I'm sorry. It's right. I already read it. This part. They'll clearly keep going if they're not stopped, which I already read. So to say that it benefits every American is only to say that the argument is that if Russia somehow is not stopped in their effort to take over all of Ukraine, which is objectively not even what's happening, they're going to next go for France or next go for you, all of Europe, next go for the United States, next go for the UK, whatever their narrative is. That's what they're actually trying to say, that they're somehow going to then take over the world. And it's just, I mean, if there's anybody anywhere in the world trying to do that, it's the U.S. government. And of course, let's not forget the only one that's actively said that aloud is the Ukrainian military, <laughs> openly, repeatedly, and very clearly from Stefan Bandera for we are going to spread the white race around the world. I can always say that white race around the world. That is their statement. And your government, who pretends to be fighting white supremacy, is openly funding that group. Is this a high point for American foreign policy? My God, a high point, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure at this point there is nothing but low points for American foreign policy. But he says it will be after Russia's been defeated. Okay, well, do you mean in the in the war, or you're talking about removing Russia from the map? American taxpayers are financing more than just weapons, and also let's realize, guys, that it's it's the most obvious thing in the world that Ukraine's losing this war. I'll prove it to you based on what they're saying here. Ukraine is being annihilated. I'll actually I'll prove it to you with this article we get into next, where their own military is saying that nine out of 10 of their draftees have been killed. Nine out of every 10. That's from their government. But you won't hear that in the corporate media because that would mean they're losing. But they are. They're being destroyed. American taxpayers are financing more than just weapons. We discovered the U.S. government's buying seeds and fertilizer for Ukrainian farmers and covering the salaries of their first responders. 
just makes me sick to think about the idea that they're sending money, which I, I doubt that's even happening, quite frankly, but at least they're saying we're going to send seed and farming and, and we're destroying your farms and your ability to feed yourself. It says Russia's invasion shrank Ukraine's economy about a third, which again, I made that point a second ago. I, that's not, I don't think that's Russia's necessarily Russia's entirely Russia's fault. Not, I mean, I'm sure they would do it on purpose because they're in a war. I just mean that I think what they're doing, Ukraine's occupied entities is the way to put this, doesn't care about Ukraine, I don't, in my opinion. They care about their agenda. And they're going to bleed this country dry to the last Ukrainian and their last resource to get what they want. And that's largely because the U.S. government is driving that into the reality, I would argue, in other countries. But my point is that's what they're doing at their expense for the agenda. It says, we were surprised to find out to find that to keep it afloat, the U.S. government is even subsidizing small businesses. So now they're paying for agriculture, farming and seed. They're paying for 57,000 first responders in every one of their salaries. And they're even subsidizing the small businesses of Ukraine. I mean, guys, there's all the $100 billion is what should be helping you, the economy of this country. Even during the COVID illusion, they made all these acts that were supposed to help the small businesses and all the big businesses scooped it up. We are being robbed blind in every way we look. So your business went out, never came back. You can't barely survive at this point, but you're continuing with your tax dollars to subsidize businesses in Ukraine. It says, especially in the condition of war, we have to work. We have to pay taxes. We have to pay wage, salary to our employers. We have to work. Well, yeah, so do Americans. So do people in the UK. So do people all over the world who are struggling right now because of this war. But so the point is, and they're openly saying at this point, that almost Hitler-esque speech by Trudeau, that we won't stop until they win because this is more important, no matter what. Because if they lose, we lose too. Well, the point is they mean they're going to drive this to the ground at all costs. They're, guys, you have to realize these governments are in for life. They have overcommitted this agenda and they are in. It's up to us to stop this from happening. They're going to take, they're going to bleed you dry to make sure that every last Ukrainian goes to fighting or miring Russia in this continued war. Because that's, that. according to the foreign policy and CIA documentation and FBI point, they have early made this about an insurrection, um, not insurrection, but a, Oh, I'm blanking on the term. Fuck, I'm gonna, I can't remember the term now. You know, where, where they're talking about basically from uh, fighting from within. I can't remember the term off the top of my head. But they talked about this before the invasion. Saying that what they wanted was basically the Ukrainians to fight from within an occupied territory like the Palestinians fighting for their occupied territory. So they framed it like that. They even used those terms and then it never happened. Remember in the very beginning when I kept telling you this? Where on the first day they were reporting how they were taking over Kiev. It, it didn't happen. They didn't even get... The, the point was, they were. that was what they expected and they wanted the narrative to be. Ukraine was taken. Didn't, the point was, Russia didn't take that bait, I don't think. In any case, American officials from the USAID, of course, you know, the Regime Change Act at arm, the agency in charge of international development, they claim, you know, regime change, helped abroad, the, the person speaking find new customers overseas. So they're being paid to find, not only subsidize their business, but go as far as to find them people to utilize that business overseas. In the midst of war, her company is supporting over 70 families. We realize that in the in, it's the aid from the government. 
but it's the aid from the, the heart of every ordinary American person. They're desperately trying to make you go, oh, we care. But it's kind of hard to care when you can't feed your own family, which is still, in fact, happening, by the way. We're in a very bad position, close, I mean, a position that we haven't been in this country for a long time, but people just don't talk about it. So right now, we're in a position where at the expense of the average American, they are sending every penny over to help people in this country, which is arguably not even going to succeed. Shouldn't it be the first and foremost, the objective of the government to help the people of their country? And then, if the people want it to do that? In total, it says America has pumped nearly $25 billion of non-military aid into Ukraine's economy since the invasion began. Just, just for the economy. $25 billion. So let's just take that out of that, and we're still sending $50 billion. Don't you think $25 billion could have been a lot of help to American families? Don't you think $50 billion would have been enough to support Ukraine? Even though that's not what's actually happening. Yeah, it really would have been, but it doesn't matter. Not a cent of that's going to go to help you because this government doesn't give an S about you. Never has. Not Trump, not Biden. They don't care about you. And it says you can see it working at the bustling farmer's market on none other than John McCain Street in Kiev. Great, the farmer's market, full of produce and stuff that we don't get to have anymore because they shut down our organic farms. The late senator is revered in Ukraine, Mr. You know, war criminal John McCain, because he pushed the U.S. government to start sending arms to the country after Russia first invaded back in 2014. Right, this is already out, by the way. But there are still screamers on Twitter that will tell you that this didn't start until Russia invaded. Even though you can show Lindsey Graham and McCain there well before this, that you have Jan Stoltenberg on the record saying that we started helping them in 2014. It's all very clear. But, you know, the narrative wins the day for these people. While in Kiev, it says we learned three of McCain's former colleagues were also in town. Well, look at that. While this is going on, guess who was there? Elizabeth Warren, Richard Blumenthal, and Lindsey Graham. What a bipartisan venture, because that's the reality, guys. Wars and the larger agendas are always bipartisan. Convincing, you know, manipulating you out of your hard-earned money, that's always bipartisan, guys. It says they don't normally agree on much, except when it comes to war and controlling your life. That's what I said. But it says together, though, they're some of the strongest supporters of Ukraine. Of course they are. Lindsey Graham says they're on track to break the Russian army. <laughs> it's such a blatant lie. I mean, it's so embarrassing. And the only way they could possibly lose is if we pull the plug. Well, that's not true at all. They can lose even if you keep funding money. But the point is, he's desperate. Or, it's, that doesn't matter, because as long as we keep this agenda going, they'll get what they want. Here's what he says. Get this. Lindsey Graham says, people ask me, is it worth it? You know, funding, what's going on there? He goes on to say, here's what we've gotten for our investment. We haven't lost one soldier. We reduced the combat power of the Russian army by 50%. And not one of us has died in that endeavor. That is a great deal for America. Holly Williams asks, you previously said that it's the best money we've ever spent. Is that still true? Lindsey Graham says, since we helped Churchill stand up to the Nazis. <laughs> I mean, my God, it's just, it's comical almost if it wasn't so horrible. So first of all, yeah. Americans, I mean, by the way, that's also not true. I've already even shown you an American that's died. But my point is, he's making it worth it because, well, look, we're using every Ukrainian to do what we want to reduce Russia's army. 
So as long as we don't die, it's a great deal. Keep dumping money on them and they'll keep dying for what we want. This guy is ridiculous. I don't even think he realizes how blatantly obvious he is. I just think he's completely full of himself. Think about that's the kind of this, the person that stood up and said, somebody assassinate the Russian president. I mean, these guys are out of their minds. But that's what he said. That is literally to the last Ukrainian. All, to do what? Simply reduce the Russian power. And by the way, that's not even true. It's not. Listen to people like Scott Ritter or, or uh, what's the other general, uh, McGregor, or McGregor or not McGregor. Anyway, I forget the guy's name. One of the, one of the generals that's being honest about this and speaking out about what's really going on. It's not happening. They're, being, they're destroying the Ukrainian offensive. It's what they're really doing. And then, of course, since this is the best money spent since we helped the stand up the Nazis. Well, first of all, let's not forget that even in World War II, there was funding on both sides of that war from a lot of the elitists in, in the U.S. and the U.K., by the way, including the fact that the very eugenicist mindset came from the United States and was adopted by the Nazis. And we don't like to talk about that. And then, of course, after they took up the Nazis, the worst parts of it, which became the basis of NASA, Operation Paperclip, and Dr. Ishii from Japan became the basis for the biowarfare program, which is now destroying our lives today. So what really happened? We should question that. But at the end of the day, you're literally funding the Nazis right now. The most obvious example in the world. I mean, you, I would genuinely wonder if he even knows that. These people are actually not as smart as you, we pretend they are. But either way, this is ridiculous. Cartoonishly ridiculous. Senator Elizabeth Warren says, we have no, we have, excuse me, we have to have confidence that the dollars we're spending are actually being spent in defense of the nation. All of that is important, but that's why we're here. Right. Well, seeing as how we've already proven that the vast majority of what goes over there doesn't actually go to anything but pockets of the elitist oligarchs over there, then I'm sure we, it doesn't matter. They're just going to tell you that it's about defense of the nation. Are you talking about the U.S. or the Ukrainian nation? Does it matter? The senators and the other U.S. officials told us that there's been no substantiated cases of American weapons being diverted. <laughs> you mean you mean other than the more numerous substantiated cases that have been covered by the corporate media? Yeah, I guess they missed that. These people are ridiculous. That's my point. I bet you they don't even know. I bet you they're, they're that blinded by their own narratives. They don't even realize that they we can prove that they're lying about that or that they don't even know. And somehow we do. We there's been numerous examples. I think it was even uh, the was that a UN overlap where they basically said they can prove that a certain percentage of this. I think it was only thirty percent was actually getting to the front line. But yeah, but you know nothing substantiated because we don't want to talk about it. Like theirs is not substantiated because we don't look at it. It says we're monitoring, we're following every piece of equipment. There has been no diversion, says Blumenthal. No evidence of misappropriation. Other than all the evidence, this is an American success story on aiding a partner fighting for freedom. <laughs> Again, they're either that stupid, wildly uninformed, or they're lying to everybody really egregiously. But it says, but Ukraine is a young democracy with a history of corruption. Yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting way to put that. According to the monitoring group Transparency International, it's ranked the second most corrupt country in Europe. Only Russia scores, scores lower. Gee, I wonder if that's by default. Like, we have to make sure Russia's lower. Like, you know, the second most corrupt in the world and we're sending $100 billion? It's just insulting to our intelligence, guys. It's really ridiculous. Get this. And this is speaking to the Ukrainian. It's making sure that there's no problem. An American hotline for Ukrainians to report misuse of assistance from USAID saw a tenfold increase when these posters went up across the country. 
So they put out posters saying, let us know if you're seeing people stealing. They got a tenfold increase in calls. American officials are now investigating four criminal cases involving non-military aid and 170 Ukrainian government officials. But don't worry, we're spending 20 million, 20 billion more dollars because clearly it's going to the right people, right? Including high ranking military officers that stole. They've been charged in corruption cases so far this year for crimes like embezzlement and accepting bribes. Now, they love to point at that because they're going, look, see, we're, we're, we're holding them accountable. <laughs> no, what that looks like is egregious examples that you can't be denied. And either way, 170 government officials, that's not something to be proud of. That's a corruption pit. And they, this is what the person speaking told them, that she considers it good news. Why? Well, says if we didn't have anyone arrested, that would be a question when people see all these corruption scandals that nobody goes to jail. So you're almost kind of admitting, well, we had to arrest somebody. So you so you, you thought we were doing something. But here's the better point to make. Yeah, if, if you see nobody getting arrested with corruption scandals, well, then that's suspicious. Yeah. Ask the Clintons. They know. Ask the Biden family. Maybe ask Trump. Ask anybody. Ask anybody in a position of power. And you'll you'll find out that we have all sorts of corruption scandals and hearings and then and nothing happens. How is Norfolk Southern doing? Right. How's the government of Hawaii? It doesn't matter. All sorts of corruption scandals that we can prove they're involved in, but nobody goes to jail. That's what it's like to live in the only democracy, you know, whatever we want to call ourselves. It's just the illusion we sell ourselves about the leading the free world or whatever nonsense our government spits. Right now, the people of this country are very capable of that. But the government we pretend is doing so is the exact diametric opposite of everything they put forward. They are robbing from you. They're robbing from them. And they could care less about you. I mean, if we really can't recognize that by now, I don't think you want to. Oh, and here's Sprinter pointing out another confirmation that armed forces of Ukraine, in fact, as we've been telling you, and Eva Bartlett and Patrick Lancaster and Wyatt Reed and anybody else that's been covering this stuff has shown you that, yes, they're using civilian transports to transport their weapons and ammunition. And, and, and I would argue, including personnel, which what does it do? Well, that opens up the door for potential civilian casualties. And that's called human shields, guys. That's what they're doing. The same thing they accuse Russia of, which I would have no doubt they'd probably do too, but I cannot see evidence for. And then, of course, another uh, uh, video. Corporate profiteering is behind the food crisis, not Ukraine proxy conflict. Right. So now these people in positions of power are using the proxy conflict to pretend and use that to profiteer and put you in a position of insecurity and then using your tax dollars to fund food and agriculture in the very country they're using to justify taking from you exactly as corrupt as it sounds on top of that we already we, this just happened this is the article from the 22nd republicans and really anybody honest got erupted after the pentagon exempts ukraine aid from potential shutdown right there this is the point that the aid is going to what we just talked about so now they're gonna they're gonna even though they're going to, it's not going to happen, by the way, the, the government shutdown illusion happens every time. And all my point was with this very thing is what does it show you that it's all a lie, right? That they will, they could do what they want anyway. They'll just, well, we're going to circumvent it to do this, but we should call their bluff, allow them to shut down so we can watch them not let it happen, even without the funding, which proves it's all a lie anyway. And all, and even if they do get shut down, you know what will show everybody? That we don't need them anyway, guys, because the only things that mean anything happen from you anyway. Oh, we don't need an, a government oversight hand telling people what to do. The individual local... In, com I go off forever. Point is, they are only adding more problem to your life 
Maybe you don't believe that, but I can, I'll talk to you for the next five hours if you want, and I'll convince you because it's very clear. Either way, they're going to continue to fund the first responders. They're going to continue to fund the farms and the businesses and everything else they're doing with your tax dollars, even if they shut the government down for you. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And then, of course, we can see, according to the Ukrainian military, they've lost around 85% of their initial mobile force, according to the general. He says almost 9 out of 10 Ukrainian draftees who enlist in the army have been killed or injured in combat. <laughs> That's incredible. To address the shortage of manpower, the office proposed cons conscripts. Right, which, you know, is basically a draft without you. The point is, what we've seen them do is the kind of cons cons conscripts you get from an authoritarian state. Forced. Which ultimately is what that means anyway. You're going to get pulled in and you have to go to war because, you know, freedom or what they sell and what they sell you on but this is where it gets really obvious at the beginning of the month a significant policy shift policy shift occurred when the ukrainian defense ministry issued a decree allowing the conscription of individuals with severe medical conditions including hepatitis asymptomatic hiv and clinically managed tuberculosis so that's either extremely desperate or they don't care about these people you're going to force them to fight because you need them that's not what democracies do, guys. That's not what any representative government does unless, well, I mean, in the case, that's, let's put it this way. That's not what an honest government does. A government that cares about the people. I mean, democracy, socialism, fascism, it's all government that can be co collapsed. I mean, we're seeing it happen right now in this country. You can call yourself a democracy and we're being completely, we're in an authoritarian state. That's what we're doing or what, where we are. So anyway, realize that that's alarming and they're going to keep pushing and we're funding that basically the decimation of the Ukrainian state to lessen Russia's power. And so Lindsey Graham says it's worth it. Now, Wyatt Reed points out a really interesting point. Children are a reflection of the surroundings, he says. Right. We, this is pretty common. Children will play act in the things that they see in their lives. They mirror what goes on around them. So now instead of playing cops and robbers, cowboys and Indians, you know, what older, older concept. Boys in Ukraine are playing, guess what? Military recruiters and conscripts. Turn that down. Look at this, guys. He's even got this creepy baklava thing on. He's got the vests on, the fake guns. He just he just pretended to rifle butt that kid in the back of the head. They're all just standing around watching, right? Because this is being promoted. It's the same kind of thing we talk about in other countries where this is the case. They're promoting this kind of, this is child soldier level. We've already shown you that they're training them in the beginning. The Azov movement was training children. And even the, even the U.S. military or U.S. media promoted it. Because look, they're fighting for democracy. It's just unbelievable. Now, the communist uh, Twitter account points out, points out, if Russia, well, this is U.S., this is Biden speaking at the, at the U.N., if Russia wins, no one will be safe anymore. I mean, see this kind of hyperbolic nonsense? There is no indication that anything will happen other than stopping the fascist element in Ukraine if they pull back. Other, alternatively, or in any case, we can see that the Ukrainian military, as I keep pointing out, has repeatedly stated that they will do that if they push back Russia. Yet they don't care about that, do they? He says, tell that to the hundreds of millions of victims of U.S. imperialism. I agree, 
right? Russia, no one will be safe if they don't stop them. Well, what about the 3 million Vietnamese, 3 million Koreans, 3 million Indonesians, 3 million Iraqis, 10 million Congolese? The list goes on and on and on. And we could point out a number of those in, in the Korean War. You realize on the record, they carpet bombed an entire civilian area until they ran out of munitions. That wasn't by accident. It was to make a point. Or the idea that they used the only nuclear bombs in history of being used on civilian populations, even as the uh, Japanese were pulling back because they wanted to send a message to Russia. It's all documented, guys. And then the hundred goes on, and then hundreds of millions who have died from poverty, malnutrition, related diseases, as a result of their economic system of global slavery. What Biden is saying really is U.S. imperialism is failing. I agree. Calvin Robinson makes an, a, a very interesting point. And this is what we try, we try to talk about when it comes to people that may very well be intelligent, but are lost in the lost in the propaganda, whether that's COVID or in this case, the war in Ukraine. Here's a historian, an author, a broadcaster. And here's what he says. Well, first, Calvin Robinson points out this alarming speech where he's basically threatening everybody to get what he wants, which is, you know, this is Zelensky. And Dr. Zarer, the historian, doctor, so on, says, most of us see, oh, and then and then Calvin Robinson says, do you see it yet? Because he's been calling this out for a while. And now, by the way, Calvin Robinson, what, agree with him or not on political talking points, he's a pretty measured, objective person, very intelligent. He says, do you see it yet? Doesn't even really indicate what he's talking about, right? But clearly people who are aggressively trying to protect this narrative feel that that's a little bit aggressive so he says most of us see a great man <laughs> a great man <laughs> what a child but he says didn't didn't realize you were a putin apologist <laughs> yeah it was an assad apologist one day it was a saddam apologist before that these people don't have any new material but think about how ignorant that is first of all didn't even say anything so he's assuming what his opinion is but secondarily even if he said this guy's not a great man, is he not able to have his own opinion? He must be some simp for some kind. I mean, these people are infant minded, like they are lost to this stuff and then patted on the head by other people lost because they tell each other they're intelligent. But here's what he said. He annihilates this guy. If one does not submit to idol worship of Zelensky, naturally, that makes him makes one a Putin apologist. Hook, line and sinker. Even the smartest academics are falling for the current thing messaging, simping that yellow and blue Kool-Aid. None of us are immune to mainstream media manipulation. I love it. I mean, that's really embarrassing. This guy is not an intelligent person if he's going to say something like that. Or he's an intelligent person that is falling prey to social pressure, which means you probably shouldn't listen to him. I mean, that's sad. Sprinter points out in his last couple of points to finish today. Something of, damn, we went two hours and 46 minutes. You know, it's funny. Sometimes when I feel like I don't have a lot to get into, like, you know, not as long as it can be, I feel like I take my time. <laughs> then it ends up being three hours anyway. I know, I know. But here, let's, let's finish this out. Sprinter points out, Germany has announced that it wants to buy Russian LNG again. Isn't that interesting? After all of this, and the U.S. government blowing up the Nord Stream pipeline, which, yes, that's in fact what happened. The reality here. Is it all of it's for naught when Germany just goes, you know, we're going to buy Russian gas anyway. <laughs> it's just crazy because there's been this whole pressure campaign and even Germany pushed back and all this stuff has happened. It's unbelievable. And yet here we are anyway, because you know why they need it? Because their people need it. 
Germany is going to conclude a deal with one of uh, Grazprom branches in order to, that's the company, in order to circumvent U.S. and NATO sanctions. So how much you want to bet U.S. US government, if, if they're desperate enough, are going to try to at least pressure or even sanction Russia, a NATO ally? They've already threatened that. Why? Because they want to make a deal with somebody who they have a right to make a deal with? Like, who has the right to say you're not allowed to deal with this country? It says critics of the German authorities do not rule out that similar transactions took place before, and the country's government probably knew about it. Okay. On the 22nd, German's going, German, company, a German state-owned company has resumed trading with Russian gas. 22nd. The next day, Russian forces destroy Leopard Tank with German crew en route to Ukraine. Now, it could just be that it happened that quickly, but I, something does not feel right to me here. As I said, so Germany announces that it wants to buy Russian LNG again this winter. And then wouldn't you know it, the very next day we're told Germans were killed by Russians in Ukraine. Interesting timing to say the least. To me, there's many possibilities, right? I mean, it's possible it's not even true, but then I would argue that that would be said by Russia and that Germany would even speak up. I haven't seen that. But there's a couple factors that, you know, that I'm not saying we know, but we should not assume is not possible. It's possible that NATO made this happen to justify pushing back on this. It's possible that even Germany went so far as to make this happen because there's factions within that country that don't want this to happen. I mean, there's all sorts of possibilities. If you think that's not possible, you don't understand history. Your governments are doing it right now, by the way, all of them. But my point is that this is an interesting wedge piece that's going to be used now. And I'm even willing you that I'm willing to bet you that Germany will be pressured probably by Western power, like, like the United States, and will be forced to pull this back somehow because of this political pressure. You can't deal with them. They just murdered Germans. Well, on top of that, the Germans that are in a war on the side of the taking the part that's fighting Russia. So it shouldn't be taken that it's the idea that this will be framed as some kind of attack on Germany. It's, it's just, it's war. They're in, they're Germany decided to fight on the front lines or in anywhere in sense with an area where they could be bombed. So it's not a direct attack on Germany. It's the fact that Germany decided to personally start be involved in the war. And of course, that's one point. The other point is NATO forces are in fact fighting on the ground. U S forces, German forces. We've shown you many examples, even the UK, they're fighting on the ground. This is a proxy war. If we've ever seen one, very important to understand that. And on, and we've realized even the times wrote an article showing you that they were U S troops were flying Ukrainians into Russia to assassinate people. That was the times in the UK that wrote that article. It's all very clear. And then when we have assassinations taking place in Moscow, you, how, how do you think Russia takes that? They know that these groups are involved. So think about that. And then here's a clip from Julian Assange that is about Afghanistan. But think about this in the context of exactly what we know is happening in Ukraine. And Afghan now as Afghanistan has clearly been at least downplayed. They're still there, by the way, and I've proven that, but downplayed. Well, this is the new Afghanistan in the sense of money laundering. And we've already talked about that for decades now, right? Now, the point is, there's not just one, obviously. They've been doing this for a long time. But listen to what he has to say and think about how this is part of what's happening in any of these wars. 
because the goal is not to completely subjugate Afghanistan. The goal is to use Afghanistan to wash money out of the tax bases of the United States, out of the tax bases of European countries, through Afghanistan and back into the hands of a transnational security elite. That is the goal, i.e. the goal is to have an endless war, not a successful war. Yep, and we know that's the case It's in all of these guys. Vietnam... Say they dragged their that you could prove was it the uh the, the Pentagon Papers that was, I forget I get I can get them overlap with the current ones but the point is that they they their data came out that showed for multiple administrations that they already knew they were going to lose and they allowed generation after generation of people or rather just you know multiple administrations but young kids to continue to get slaughtered. Multiple administrations, hundreds of thousands of people. Why? Because they did not want to admit that they were going to lose. That's how little they care about your life. Same thing's happening today. Same thing, Afghanistan, 20 years. Taliban's in charge. I mean, think about how dumb that is. And they then they gained all sorts of U.S. military equipment and all sorts. I mean, that, that's unbelievable. And now, Harris Clinton, as we already showed you, Global Clinton Global Initiative announces new proposal to help rebuild Ukraine. Here we go again. Right, so we're going to make sure that nobody can rebuild that, uh, Syria, even as though even though there are countries that want to, and even though the U.S. government should be obligated to, but they're not. Why? Because they stomp their feet and say, we don't want Assad over there. So we're children. It's my ball. I'm going to go home. And we make sure that they will not be allowed to. Why? Because they are fighting for the Syrian people. Is that what they told us? The only thing that hurts the Syrian people, and they know that, and that's why they're doing it. So here's Clinton. I don't remember the point about, you know, when there's all these corruption scandals and no one goes to jail. There you go. Look at what happened in Haiti. You could prove that they robbed them blind and hurt a lot of people. And everyone that spoke up weirdly got assassinated, excuse me, committed suicide. Weird. Totally strange. So after all those publicly exposed in the Congress about the Clinton Foundation pay to play and worse and the egregiously criminal conduct by the Clinton Foundation in Haiti, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Here they are right back at it in Ukraine, of course, because that's what's going on here. Finally, Megatron points out Russia has imposed an indefinite ban on the export of diesel and gasoline to all countries except Armenia, Belarus, Kazakhstan and Kyrgyzstan. I'm not sure how that plays in with this conversation. The, the the LNG for Germany. So we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. But either way, that's a big deal. Oil prices per barrel have already started to go up. Putin, this is Megatron's take, but it says Putin is playing the West again. Russia officially enters the trade war with this move. And realize they could have done this a long time ago. That's restraint. Prices will become too high and there will be a huge problem in the economy of the West. Now, I don't know if it's the same today, but they... Last time this became a problem, people were saying that if it went over $100 a barrel, that it could end up being some kind of global economic collapse. Now, I don't know how true that was, but that was one of the things people were floating around. And a lot of these financial experts tend to be wrong all the time. So take it with a grain of salt. But it says the moment that uh, says, uh, yeah, the moment is not random, but was chosen exactly before the beginning of winter. Huge pressure and costs will arise in companies, especially in Europe like the previous winter, in which $600 billion was lost due to expensive energy and mostly ended up in Russia's account. This year will be even worse. 
Europe will realize what a mistake it made by becoming an absolute vassal of Washington. Very interesting. And then, of course, to finish, how interesting is this? Here's the telegraph. This is yesterday. Rapidly climbing oil prices now threaten to spoil the party and could become a major pre-election headache for the government. Oops. Like, I don't know if they didn't think this would happen or they wouldn't end up doing this. But the bottom line is, I mean, you're literally, I mean, quite literally poking the bear. And now these are the, the consequences. And the point is that this is going to become an interesting dynamic in the elections, both the U.S. and the U.K. Continued inflation decline is not a given. It says higher fuel costs will hit hardest and toward heart lines. The point is. They're, this is making them look bad, right? And the point is, ultimately, this is, well, you know, at the same time, though, I take that back. It could go that way. And it could end up being a very important issue that's used back and forth politically during the elections. But it also could be a just kind of blunt tool to say, here's Russia attacking you, right? Even though they caused this and drove this into reality and everything, they're attacking the Nord Stream pipeline from the U.S. side of it. Nonetheless, they could try to frame this to the un, in, un uh, uh, what's the term I was looking for? and initiated the uninformed to say that this is Russia directly attacking you with their trade war and so on. But either way, guys, all of this is because of the agendas of the West, particularly the United States and what they're driving into reality for their own benefit at the expense of you. It's as simple as it ever could be. And all the information, really, if you take a step back to the beginning, do you really think the people that are going to be using things they know are hurting you, GM mosquitoes, the spraying, things that are directly hurting your children and your family and continue to do so as they lose court cases, but pushing it anyway, or 5G or the injections or all the stuff that we can prove are hurting you right now. Are we going to pretend that they care about you? They care about heating your home or the oil prices or any of it? It's very clear if we just get past the, pol the the politics of it all and just look at what's in front of us. Thank you for tuning in today, guys. I just, I, I really do think the stuff's important, especially the, the kind of stuff that's happening and it's been happening for decades now, the spraying and the chemicals, but it's just, it's, it's across the board. But I, I urge you not to feel overwhelmed because I know it can be overwhelming and I know it can feel dark because that, that's, I mean, it is to a degree, but it's also something they want you to feel. I have hope. I have hope because of you and your support and, and the fact that there's more people, the majority, as I see it, that really do see this and are, are pushing back, which is why this is happening, why we're able to affect the conversation, why we're able to reach people that we've never reached before. It's a positive time, even though it's getting driven into darkness. We need to recognize the positives and the wins where we can and keep fighting for those things because we're saving people's lives with every person we reach. At the very least, we're allowing people to reach objective decisions not based on propaganda by allowing people to make their own conclusions or come to their own conclusions. So thank you for being a part of that. I mean, you really are changing the world in small ways every time, every day and every show and everything we do. I believe that. So thank you for supporting us. I'll see you tomorrow, actually, with this, this interview. So don't miss that. David Martin is coming out tomorrow. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Let's also be clear, the future is not just happening, the future is built by us.